Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. show up at places like this, it's almost as though you have a purpose to But what reporting are you doing if you don't know what might flag me? I mean, it's just... It could mean a lot of things. That's a ridiculous No, I'm just saying, it's just an American flag. It is not an American flag. The American flag that I swore to, red, white, we must and Are you asking me a question? Yeah, Did I not just tell you the answer to? See, you're not a very good journalist. I'm, 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 I'm just confirming because I'm how the lights from folks like the Brown Boys and Ku Klux Klan and black other white nationalist groups. So you swore to a flag. And you know what it looks like. And you're wearing that. And we got the one blue ring. I believe it's a bald eagle. I'm not entirely sure. We must imagine that shirt is toilet paper for the shit show that we are here to And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 19th of August, year of our Lord 2019, and that is Antifa once again showing us who the real fascists are. So we're going to do a violent left sh- section up front, a little bit of anti gun, another shooting, but. It was cops in Philly. We'll see how people treated that and the media covered. Two of the three idiotos get banned from going to Israel. Israel. And uh, I love the way the media, media played this. Blame Trump. You know the deal. Some more Frito. Some hate tweets. And news and social media nuggets. But right up front, I have to do something that I love doing. Occasionally I go through the stats of who's listening. Hamburg's there, Germany's been there, but we have a new one, and I hope I say this right, Egd, Egd, that's how Google says to say it, E-G-T-V-E-D, Denmark, 16 listens, so whoever's in Denmark right now, how you doing, hello, I think that's how you say hello, that's how Google said it again, uh, Egvet is a population 2282, is a village um, near... V-E-J-L-E, Denmark, and V-E-J-L-E municipality in the Deutsch region, or the Danish region of southern Denmark. Nearby is T-O-R-S-K-I-N-D gravel pit, a spectacular sculptural park. Back, you know, in the day in America, and this is a vague reference, 
this was a segment on hee-haw. <laughs> Salute out to my hometown, blah, blah, blah. So I thought I'd play this in the background. Here it comes. Here it comes. And they would say salute. So as we go into our violent left section, we're going to play a skit from Hee Haw so the people in Denmark know what I'm talking about. I doubt Hee Haw made global TV because it's pretty low budget. But any kid in America, well, predominantly white child in America, someone, somebody in your family made you watch Hee Haw. I watch it occasionally now as a... Uh, joke on a Sunday night. It was bad TV. I don't like that much country music, but somehow, some way, it's kind of cool now. So let's listen to a quick hee-haw skit, and then we're going to go into our violent left. And once again, Antifa, those morally justified punchers. Wow, we got a lot here. Is that what you said? Gross house, yep. Your last name is Gross House. Gross House. For the Washington Examiner. Yeah. Is it, uh, is it Washington State? No, it's in D.C. Is there, no. Washington, D.C. Is there, is there a particular reason why you're following me? By I'm just wondering, what was your first name again, Justin? No. 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 Gross House blew me away. It's not Gross House. It's, it's Gross House. Gross House? Yeah. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah, no. I was like, okay, your name's Gross. No, 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 no. So you're you're a reporter for the Yes, 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 I am. The, the shirt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a personal statement. No, it's just it's just what I black and white flags. It's just what I it's just what I wear to protest events when I go cover it. When you go cover protest events, you wear black and white flags. I mean, that's just whatever the design is. I mean, it's not it's not it's not to make. I mean, that the color, I guess, is not to make anything. It's just, just it's not to make a statement. It's just a, it's just an American flag. That's all it is. You do understand that you make a statement. I mean, okay. I mean, when you put on the shirt, you make a statement, whether I, you intend to or not. I mean, it just. I mean, whether you intend to. Or I mean, there's not, there's there's like you make a statement. There's two American flags over there. Yeah, they're not black. Okay, so what what, what, what what's but what is your association? You're a, you're a journalist. Yes. You tell me what the association is with a black and white flag. I honestly, I'm not, I'm not familiar. Because you're with not a very good journalist, sir, and that's why I'm following. I'm honestly lost in the sauce of why. Uh, well, then, well, then tell me what it means, since I'm not, I'm not good at my job. What, what does a black and white flag mean? I, no, 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 no. You're the journalist. And you do the research. That's literally your job. I'm asking you to do your job. You say you come here to do your job. Yeah. You're obviously not doing your job. No. So I'm asking you to do your job. I mean, and that's why I follow you. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird that you're following. And that's you. why I follow you. Okay. That, I want to make sure you're doing a bad job as a press reporter. Oh. You don't look like press. I mean, you don't look legitimate actually at all. So what do I look like then? 
Honestly? Honestly? I'm with America. I'm with America. I love this nation. Okay. <laughs> I love my brothers and sisters. Yeah. Hey, hey. have a couple sound bites like that that's a journalist getting beat the fuck up there's two of them in here there's a black person getting beat up there's just all sorts of random stuff but how did our media play it and that's why i'm leaning on the journalist folks cbs news portland braces for violence at a far-right rally entire police force will be on duty a far-right rally the far right had nothing to do with what you're about to hear. And this one is mostly, literally, sound bites. It's impossible not to do it. You have to hear how violent it was. Now, two shout-outs. Uh, I got two for Matt today. He's got another one in another section. But this one, <clears throat> he sent me a text about. I watched a live conference, and I couldn't copy it, but it was literally all these community leaders, as we've shown on Andy and Geo, all these little leaders have gone up there and, you know, all their social justice warrioring. And that's what that conference was, but I couldn't tape it. It wasn't able to be downloaded. They really believe that this is this needs to happen because some Proud Boys show up. Like a few Proud Boys. That this is all good. And the mayor and the police, they, my God... I, I don't understand how you can live in a city and allow this to happen. So, are you guys anti-fa? Oh, you're not? What are you doing here in my city? Trying to cause me to go home. What are you doing trying to cause me to go home? We're not. No, that's not anti-fa. No, it isn't. You need to check your facts. Before you start spewing lies. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm oh, you really get sleep at night? That's fucking sick. That's so sick. I'm gonna be throwing up in the He probably did. Look at this cool. Look at this cool. Oh, even worse. So that's what you have to Fun. Get the fuck out of the way! 
up, you crazy bitch. You guys gotta move. Now understand, I could have played hours of this. This is just snippets of a few that I pulled off of Twitter and a thread on a conservative website. These are just a, a snippet of what these Antifa thugs did. Andy NGO, Antifa attacks people on a bus. Try to pull them out and hit them with a hammer. Portland protests. This is why real Donald Trump said a tweet this morning about Antifa. The mayor, Ted Wheeler, in Portland is allowing lawlessness. Attacking people with a hammer is a violent assault. Best part is the 48 seconds when a weak Antifa nut falls tr- trying to fight a literal bus. When the bus is left, Antifa chased it down and broke the windows. When Antifa guy fell down, Antifa in the teal shirt bonks himself in the head with a fire extinguisher. Doubt he had many brain cells to lose to begin with. It's just a comedic scene. But it's what they've been doing since Charlottesville. And it's not reported by our media. Once again, we played on this show, and I by no means support white supremacists or anything. There's two sides to every story. And the side of the story that doesn't get played is what Antifa is doing. In the Charlottesville, they were bricking people. Thus the guy freaked. Thus the guy drove his car. Thus the guy murdered somebody. It was precipitated by them. 
It's not like these right-wing guys show up and start beating people up. It's a polar opposite. Before the moment they land on the ground, Antifa is there to beat these people up. And nobody reports it. None of them report this. Some guys got separated. The police let them be beat down. Then there's a weird sound you're going to hear. I'm going to explain that sound on the other side. But this is the police letting somebody just get fucked up. Basically, a police officer was walking up and gave a card to a person in Antifa. It was all captured on film. Then... Antifa went and attacked that person. Police allowed it. That second part, dude's all by himself getting beat the fuck down. Portland Police Bureau liaison teams attempts to work with all event organizers to establish an environment where community members may safely practice the First Amendment rights of free speech and assembly. The Police Bureau liaison teams are available to assist event organizers in planning a safe event for to participants. Portland community members and businesses liaison officers may be contacted at blah, 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 blah. The liaison officers will be wearing white polo shirts with liaison officer on the shirt along with gray pants so they are highly visible to all. The liaison officers have been attempting to make contact with some of the participants and will continue to do so. And that's exactly who handed the card to an Antifa member who then went up and beat up some dude. But this is what was happening dearest customers this is a starbucks due to strong encouragement from the portland police bureau and in preparation for the demonstration this weekend we will close at 10 a.m saturday august 17th the safety of our partners and customers is our top priority we apologize for this inconvenience for any questions call the management and that's how they handled it media did they report that no Christopher Mathis, Huffpo, and now the fascists are dancing to rave music. Ian Miles Chan, why do journalists conflate the term fascist to anyone wearing a mega hat? Because it was mega people. When really, the fascists are Antifa who are attacking people, beating them up. But here's a soundbite. Their technique in Portland now, instead of dealing with Antifa, a terrorist organization who is physically doing bodily harm and damage to property and everything evil in the name of stopping fascism or something, we're just going to close all the businesses. Among the businesses with plans to close its doors Saturday is Chalice Farms Marijuana Dispensary on Southwest NATO. I'm very frustrated, very sad, very enraged. Christopher Crosser is especially upset because he was scheduled to work. But the protest is not allowing that. And no work for Crosser means no paycheck. I'm going to have to pull into my savings account that I don't want to, um, just because, you know, I I don't make a lot of money, and, you know, it's expensive to live here. It sucks. It's extremely frustrating. Josh Johnston owns Patties at Southwest 1st and Yamhill. The bar is not closed for the entire day. Instead, it's opening up five hours later than normal. What the police are telling us is that there's just nobody that's going to really be down there other than, you know, the people that potentially are the troublemakers. <laughs> so uh, we're taking all our patio furniture inside. We're taking away anything that somebody could potentially throw through a window. Speaking of that, 
The Portland Police Bureau is certainly gearing up for the possibility of violence. More than a dozen law enforcement agencies from across the state have agreed to help the Bureau keep the peace. In addition to that, the hope is that demonstrators police themselves. First, our expectation of those involved is to refrain from engaging in criminal acts, especially acts of violence. Second, if someone witnesses an act of violence, a criminal act, or something that is alarming in nature, for the public safety, please call 911. A plea for help hours ahead of a rally and counter-protest that could have a major impact on downtown Portland. It is very sad the fact that human beings are just, you know, just going against each other. We're supposed to be in this together. You know, this is our plan. We share this plan and we should be, you know, with each other, not against each other. All right, keeping with that theme, the owner of Patty's Bar and Grill tells me when they do finally open up at 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, there will be a 10% discount for law enforcement. It's their way of saying thank you and we appreciate you. Laurel, back to you. Well, that is a nice gesture, but we hope it's peaceful all day up until then. Thank you, Mike Benner, live at Waterfront Park for us. A Twitter user, what you were just subjected to is what happens when decades of liberal brainwashing takes hold of an entire community, divesting them of hope for a brighter future by making them feel like perpetual victims. Liberalism breeds lawlessness. Remember the lesson well. And then he tweeted this. This is an African-American man. He's not wearing mega hat. He's not wearing any shirts. He has dreadlocks. Antifa is beating him the fuck down. Oh my. Liz Wheeler, Antifa in Portland beats old man unconscious, pepper sprays journalists, throws objects at conservatives' head, steals U.S. flags, attacks young girls, shirtless thug threaten cops, break windows on school bus, assault people with a hammer. Mayor Ted Wheeler does nothing. Dan Crenshaw said American anti-fascists demand violence while Hong Kong protesters are actually fighting fascists in a Saturday tweet. In Hong Kong, anti-fascists wave American flags, demand freedom, and actually fight fascists. In Portland, anti-fascists burn American flags, demand violence in the name of socialism. Portland is a sad showing of where we are today all around. The media, silent. Just silent. Here's another journalist getting the beatdown. Everyone, everyone is shot. Yeah, bro. Come on, my nigga, come on. Get the 
and a black shirt. I just got pepper sprayed with shit or piss in the eye for, for not wearing a black mask. All I did, yeah, all I did was take a picture and some guy jacked me and put him in pepper spray. This is the form of Leave me alone. For a bipartisan community, I'm a resident of the United States, 
These guys pepper sprayed me. Not a Nazi. I'm not even into politics. And I was assaulted. This you weren't assaulted? You weren't assaulted? Yes. But I death was. is coming though. Death is coming to your doorstep. Yeah. Yeah, that's the fucking message. Death is coming to your fucking doorstep. Someone just assaulted me. Someone just hit me in the back of the head. I didn't see it. I didn't see nothing. I didn't see nothing. Okay, well then you need to go, man. You need to go. Uh, I'm sorry. You need to go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up, hold up. You need to go. I'm Hispanic, yes. You need to go. Sir, sir, sir. I'm not touching you. Sir, I'm gonna... I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Let's go, bro. So, I'm asking you to go. Hey, 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 hey. Unbelievable a city in America lives like that. It's just unbelievable that that's how we do it. That's how we fucking, the media does nothing. They ignore it, and journalists are getting beat down. But those journalists don't report for CNN, New York Times, Washington Post. They're other than liberal sources. So they're not real journalists, they're opinionists. Well, I'd rather listen to an opinionist than an activist like CNN, MSDNC, ABC, NBC, and CBS. I just gotta, I gotta be quite honest. They at least are somewhat objective. Portland's a mess. Antifa's a mess. Armenia's a mess. Because this should not be happening on American streets. Dan Crenshaw sums it up. Real people fighting real fascists. Fly American flags. Antifa burns them. That sums up where they're at. They are anarchists. They don't want America. They just don't. So on to Philly. And this, once again, the media ignored. 
Dana, Dana graciously says, you know, that, listen, is this the new normal or I don't want to call it the new normal? It almost appears as it is. Well, how often are we talking about the same things? Why do we have a loophole where you can go to a private gun show and you can get all the guns you want? No background check, but commercially, ha, ah, background check. Does that make any sense at all? So my perspective is that Democrat, Republican, Independent, whatever you call yourself, there's too much shooting. It's happening all the time. Could we not get something together and do something so people stop doing you know, uh, the thing I do want to mention, since we're dealing with, we don't know what's going on in Philadelphia right now, but we know that law enforcement is involved. There are a lot of law enforcement groups that are for more restrictions mm -hmm. with guns. I mean, look what happened in Dayton, how many people were shot, how many people were killed in, what, 32 seconds? Uh, you Every time one of these happens, and I hate to say it, you do hear police speaking out, saying we're outmatched by some by by some of these weapons that these people are using saw the mass shooting in El Paso and Dayton now what's going on in Philadelphia you're a former police chief in Orlando uh, and you're following this conversation uh, that we're all having about gun control in America what's missing from the conversation that's going on right now what's missing from the conversation is that uh, every poll shows you that the overwhelming majority of the American people are in favor of, favor of background checks, for example. And so the question is, why is the Senate refusing to move legislation that we passed in the House months ago? The other part of this conversation, I doubt very seriously that if this shooter in Philadelphia was armed simply with a handgun, that this gun battle would be going on well beyond an hour. I think we can assume that he is also heavily armed with high-capacity rifles or weapons and also has high-capacity magazines. So while we look at passing legislation that requires that every gun sale, every person involved in a gun sale has to go through a background check, we really need to have a serious discussion about getting these weapons of war and doggone it, today is a clear indication of that as the men and women of blue are under fire in Philadelphia. We need to get these high-capacity weapons and magazines off of our streets. And eyewitnesses say they've already heard more. Before anybody knew anything, that's your media saying, once again, gun violence, gun violence, gun violence, gun violence. We need to take away guns. But what really was happening was this. Fuck yourself! No, no.
Yes, that's the police being heckled after the police were being shot. Alexandra Hoff. I mentioned this at 10, and since I'm harassed her in the live shot, I'll mention here too. A major moment of disappointment this evening was watching a crowd of people taunt police officers, laughing and yelling at them in the midst of gunfire. I should add, 98% of the people there on the scene were respectful and concerned. The moment was just such a startling thing to see in the middle of something so chaotic. North Philly standoff, alleged cop shooter, Maurice Hill, an African-American, has a long criminal history. Hill's history is the adult criminal justice system began in 2001 when he was 18. He was arrested for gun that had altered serial number. Here we go. Public records show that he has been arrested about a dozen times since turning 18 and convicted six times on charges that involved illegal possessions of guns, drug dealing, aggravated assault. He has been in and out of prison. The longest sentence handed to him came in 2010 when the federal judges gave him a 55-month term. He'll also spend time in federal prison in 2008. He pled guilty to a federal firearm violation after he was caught with a Smith & Wesson 357 and later a Taurus PT-45 semi-automatic. That's, that's three gun charges. His prior felony conviction should have barred him from owning those weapons. U.S. District Judge Paul S. Diamond sentenced him to four years and seven months of prison. More recently, Hill was convicted of perjury in 2013. Since seven years of probation, he appeared for common pleas court judge Raymond Means for three different alleged violations of probation. At least two of them related to new cases, which he later beat. In one of those cases, Philly police arrested Hill in May 2014 after spotting him driving an unregistered scooter, but when an officer tried to stop him and raced down allegedly against traffic on a one-way street and then onto a sidewalk, sending pedestrians scattering, court records said. Hill crashed scooter and then fled on foot, but was apprehended. He was charged with driving without a license, reckless endangerment of another person, and fleeing police, but later was acquitted on all accounts. Philadelphia police arrested Hill again in October 2014 on charges of drug possessions and false imprisonment. Elizabeth Warren, I'm heartsick for the Philadelphia officers and the loved ones and grateful for brave first responders helping people get to safety. We don't have to live like this. We must pass gun reform laws to end the violence. Dana Loesch, this happened when officers reportedly served a narcotics warrant. What do you propose that would make it illegal-er for a drug dealer to possess guns in the service of their drug dealing when they've already been arrested for drug violations? He was barred, folks. I'm not even going to break the story down. He was barred. He'd already been arrested. He's probably another one of those under the Obama era who said, we're going to let these people out of prison because they're black. That's the only reason why they went to prison is because they're black. It's not because they've committed crimes. It's just white racism that put them in jail. CNN spends 19 minutes and 12 hours using Philly standoff to Bush gun control because we can't talk about the shooter now because he's black we don't talk about shooters when they're black we only talk about shooters when they're white and here's jake's tapper take on gun control jake tapper is explaining how many republicans were invited on a cnn show after el paso and dayton shooters offered a theory why so many declined this is a transcript myers and to you is that like a very fast so no you get 
from them? Are you surprised when they say no, or is what you've come to expect, especially with an issue like gun control, where there's very little they could probably say in the wake of a tragedy? Tapper, in fact, we have Republicans on State of the Union all the time. In fact, we did end up having a governor of Ohio like a day or two later on the lead. But yeah, I don't think Republicans like to talk about gun massacres, because I don't know they have a lot of answers as to why they hold a position that, you know, for instance, on universal background checks, 90% of America's people support universal background Background checks. A majority of Republican, a majority of NRA members. So why wouldn't you support that? And I think they don't want to talk about it. You know why they don't want to talk about it? Because it's already there. We have background checks. It's called NICS. But the majority of crimes, mass shooting, come from people who were not supposed to have guns, who illegally possess guns, who grab guns from somebody else. Or were issued the gun when they weren't cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. We've had this argument too many times. HIPAA restricts the ability to look into somebody's medical history to stop them from getting a gun. This isn't straw purchases. These aren't motherfuckers who walk through gun freaking shows and build an AR. And even if they did, the lower receiver of that AR would have to go through a background check to sell it to them. I bought one AR from a gun dealer. It was background checked. I bought the other AR through a private dealer with an FFL who built weapons. Guess what he did, boys and girls? A NICS check. Majority of them do. But we talk about this NRA and tens of millions and all the lies they keep putting out here. Gun control groups outspend NRA by 66 to 1 on ads in wake of shooting. And during this period, five dead and 42 win- wounded in Chicago over the weekend. Nobody reported that. Nobody talked about we need gun control. Nobody did any of that shit. Nor did they cover. Politically incorrect. America, are you in favor of banning assault weapons? 49% no. 48 yes. Gillibrand didn't cover this, is open to criminally prosecuting gun owners who don't hand over their assault weapons. That's the stance of the left now. Hey, Kristen, try to come and get my guns. You're not going to get them. There's no constitutional right for you to take possession of property that I own. Every law you've ever done on any other subject is grandfathered. So will this. So the 3 million ARs or whatever the number is in America right now, 30 million, I don't know, it's a shitload. I used to know that number. But they're going to stay. Mark W. Smith, a stunning page of today's post-print edition. The name of every mass shooting victim since 1966. If you want to stoke outrage about the issue, it's probably better not to highlight the fact that only 22 people a year are killed in mass shootings in a country of 300 million. A media-own goal. This is where they lose their arguments. If you want to go after weapons, you go after pistols. Pistols kill more people in America every fucking day. But you don't go after pistols. Pistols are made to kill people. Unless you're shooting a squirrel. But they don't go after that. It's politics. Then this week... We had this, our Ryan J. Riley. 
If you're going to criticize Democrats' lack of precision in their statements about Michael Brown's death, as Cheryl Atkinson did here, then you probably shouldn't completely ignore DOJ's broader Ferguson investigation right nonsense like this. Cheryl Atkinson. What I wrote is factually correct. If you wish to dispute the Obama Justice Department finding as nonsense, better troll them. He responded, you can criticize Democrats' Ferguson statements as David French did here and still acknowledge this broader reality of policing in St. Louis County. This is HuffPost. Then Washington Post came in. Fact check, call out Harris Warren as false on Michael Brown murder. We're talking about hands up, don't fucking shoot. They brought it back. We wouldn't normally evaluate a fact check when it lines up with all the valuable facts, but it can be noteworthy when Democrats are tagged as for Pinocchio false. But the Washington Post fact checker and fact checker org flagged Senator and presidential candidate Camilla Harris and Elizabeth Warren for incorrectly claiming Michael Brown was murdered in Ferguson. Missouri by police officer Darren Wilson, Snopes.com, hasn't arrived on the scene yet, and strangely, PolitiFact spotlighted these articles on their fact-checking around the web pics, while so far failing to do their own fact-check. On August 9th, Harris tweeted, Michael Brown's murder forever changed Ferguson in America. And minutes later, Senator Warren echoed five years ago, Michael Brown was murdered by a white police officer in Ferguson. Michael was unarmed, yet was shot six times. Lori Roberts at factcheck.org posted an article titled, Harris Warren Wrong About Brown Shooting. She turned to the report from Obama Justice Department in March 2015, which found the use of deadly force is justified when the officer had probable cause to believe that the suspect a threat of ser- had a serious bodily harm to him, either to the officer or to others. The report went on to say that there was no credible evidence disproving Wilson's cited intent that he believed Brown was a threat to him. Multiple credible witnesses corroborate virtually every material aspect of Wilson's account and are consistent with the physical evidence. Robertson noted that the Washington Post fact-checker at the time cited the DOJ report in debunking a popular belief that Brown had raised his hands to surrender and said, don't shoot. In reality, the DOJ investigation found witness accounts suggest that Brown was standing still with his hands raised in an unambiguous signal of surrender when Wilson shot Brown are inconsistent with the physical evidence are otherwise not credible because the internal inconsistencies are not credible because of inconsistencies with other credible evidence. Post fact checker Glenn Kessler gave these two Democrats contenders the full Pinocchio blast on Tuesday. One can certainly raise questions about whether Wilson should have fired as many shots as he did and acted appropriate on the circumstances. The racial profiling by Ferguson Police Department is certainly well documented, fair game for criticism. But Harris and Warren have ignored the findings of the Justice Department to accuse Wilson of murder, even though the Justice Department found no credible evidence to support the claim. Al Sharpton. This past Friday marks five years of murder of Michael Brown by police. You know what's happened since Michael Brown's murder? Cops have been killed. Dallas, Philly, BLM has formed, all based on a false assumption. But the most damning thing that's happened since Michael Brown is the Ferguson effect. So for the umpteenth time, for those that are new to the show, here's what's happened because of Michael Brown. Barack Obama, and the race hustlers in our country. More crime, more murder. A new crime wave is sweeping across the United States of America as gun violence skyrockets from Baltimore to Los Angeles. The consequences of what's being called the Ferguson effect 
being felt in major cities, as it appears the nation's two decades long crime decline may in fact be over. Joining me now to discuss it is Heather McDonald, fellow at the Manhattan Institute, who I think has coined that phrase, the Ferguson effect. These numbers are, 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 are frightening and, 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 and devastating uh, in, in so many ways. Look at Baltimore, uh, St. Louis, Chicago, Los Angeles, and even New York, all up in the double, double digits. And now we see 40 homicides in May in, in Baltimore uh, compared to last year's numbers. Uh, and arrests are down there at 58%. What is this about, Heather? Well, Peter, for the last nine months, this country has been in the grips of what I would deem a hysteria against cops. We've embraced the idea that the police are killers, that they're the biggest threat facing young black men today. And cops have gotten the message that they should back off of policing. Arrests now in certain inner city communities are extraordinarily fraught. Homicides of cops went up 89% in 2014. And so cops are backing off of discretionary proactive activity. Arrests are down, and the criminals have become emboldened. So when you say we've embraced it, who's the we? Well, the we is the elites, the mainstream media, university presidents that go around feeling self-righteous, talking about the assault uh, on, on blacks, and of course the president and former attorney general as well, who also have been quite vocal in alleging that policing and indeed the entire criminal justice system is racist. And that is a complete falsehood and an incredible uh, unfairness to the people who work to preserve public safety in inner city communities. Now, the DOJ put out a study about Ferguson, and they said that there was a pattern of racism with regards to certain behavior there. But with regard to the killing, there was no, uh, there was no determination that that was race-based, correct? To the opposite, they actually demolished the no hands, the hands up, don't shoot right. lie. It was an utter lie perpetrated by certain members of that community, and yet the media still takes every allegation from people on the street of, of cop misbehavior as gospel truth. But the Justice Department was completely schizophrenic in its treatment of her Ferguson. As we go out the door, how can this be reversed? What needs to be done? to stop the increase in homicides and increase the arrest so that people who are most vulnerable in the inner city are kept safer and not, not less safe. Well, A, right, we should listen to people in the inner city who want the cops. They want enforcement. And number two, the media and the elites have to send the message to cops that they're supported. They're doing an incredibly hard job, and that most of them are not racially biased. They're there to help the good people in the community. And you can read Heather McDonald's piece in the Wall Street Journal, one of the most thoughtful pieces I've seen in a long time about criminal justice in this country. Heather McDonald, great to see you on this Thank Sunday you, morning. Peter. Happy to have you. Does the truth matter? Not to groups like Black Lives Matter. That's tragic for many reasons, not the least of which is that black lives are being lost as a result. When it comes to the subject of American police, blacks, and the deadly use of force, here is what we know. A recent deadly force study by Washington State University researcher Lois James found that police officers were less likely to shoot unarmed black suspects than unarmed white or Hispanic ones in simulated threat scenarios. Harvard economics professor Roland Fryer analyzed more than 1,000 officer-involved shootings across the country. 
He concluded that there is zero evidence of racial bias in police shootings. In Houston, he found that blacks were 24% less likely than whites to be shot by officers, even though the suspects were armed or violent. Does the truth matter? An analysis of the Washington Post's police shooting database and of federal crime statistics reveals that fully 12% of all whites and Hispanics who die of homicide are killed by cops. By contrast, only 4% of black homicide victims are killed by cops. But isn't it a sign of bias that blacks make up 26% of police shooting victims, but only 13% of the national population? It is not, and common sense suggests why. Police shootings occur more frequently where officers confront armed or violently resisting suspects. Those suspects are disproportionately black. According to the most recent study by the Department of Justice, although blacks were only about 15% of the population in the 75 largest counties in the U.S., they were charged with 62% of all robberies, 57% of murders, and 45% of assaults. In New York City, Blacks commit over three-quarters of all shootings, though they are only 23% of the city's population. Whites, by contrast, commit under 2% of all shootings in the city, though they are 34% of the population. New York's crime disparities are repeated in virtually every racially diverse city in America. The real problem facing inner-city black communities today is not the police, but criminals. In 2014, over 6,000 blacks were murdered, more than all white and Hispanic homicide victims combined. Who is killing them? Not the police and not white civilians, but other blacks. In fact, a police officer is 18 and a half times more likely to be killed by a black male than an unarmed black male is to be killed by a police officer. If the police ended all use of lethal force tomorrow, it would have a negligible impact on the black death by homicide rate. In Chicago, through just the first six and a half months of 2016, over 2,300 people were shot. That's a shooting an hour during some weekends. The vast majority of the victims were black. During the same period, the Chicago police shot 12 people, all armed and dangerous. That's one half of 1% of all shootings. Does the truth matter? If it does, here's a truth worth pondering. There is no government agency more dedicated to the proposition that black lives matter than the police. The proactive policing revolution that began in the mid-1990s has dramatically brought down the inner-city murder rate and saved tens of thousands of black lives. Unfortunately, that crime decline is now in jeopardy. As I write in my book, The War on Cops, police officers are backing off of proactive policing in black neighborhoods thanks to the false narrative that police officers are infected with homicidal bias. As a result, violent crime is going up. In cities with large black populations, homicides in 2015 rose anywhere from 54% in Washington, D.C., to 90% in Cleveland. Overall, in the nation's 56 largest cities, homicides in 2015 rose 17%,
a nearly unprecedented one-year spike. Many law-abiding residents of high-crime areas beg the police to maintain order, precisely the type of policing that the ACLU, progressive politicians, and the Obama Justice Department denounce as racist. This is tragic because when the police refrain from proactive policing, black lives are lost, lost because of a myth. The best research and data reach this conclusion. There is no evidence that police are killing blacks just because they're black. You now have the truth. Does it matter? I'm Heather McDonald of the Manhattan Institute for Prager University. To subscribe to our YouTube channel, click here. To help keep our videos free, donate here. I even threw in, are the cops racist? Because that's another study that's been done. And every time you do a study, we find out, like the Washington State one, and with Prager U, she works with them, Heather McDonald, a doctor. This is all bullshit. This is why... Baltimore and Philadelphia have so much crime nowadays. None of this is true. The shooting of Michael Brown was unfortunate and horrible. The shooting of Trayvon Martin was horrible. But no laws were broken. And now the effect of this race-hustling bullshit is that more and more people are getting killed, but cops don't do anything because they're going to be held, just let out to dry. They're going to be screwed by Democratic politicians who will side with people like this Philly shooter. Oh, he's just misunderstood. He doesn't have the opportunities that white people do. So, you know, it's not his fault that he illegally, you know, possesses guns over and fucking over and over and then shoots police because police are racist. It's morally justified. That's their theory. You or I... Oh, fuck you. You're going to jail. You illegally possess a gun. You're fucked. So all of this is just a fucking joke. It's a continued joke played by our media who don't want to fucking project facts, truths. They're activists. And they allowed Michael Brown to come back out. Remember, Al Sharpton has a fucking show on MSNBC. And the murder of Michael Brown, a guy who beat somebody up for some fucking cigarellos, then tried to grab the cop's gun, and then charged the cop. Those were quantified by black witnesses, a black attorney general, a black president. But it was muddied by a black president who decided to fucking racialize everything in our fucking country so bad that race relations went backwards. Not because we had a black president and all these races came out of the woodwork and the forever lie of white nationalists taking over a country, even though nobody knows a white nationalist, nobody knows anybody in the KKK, nobody knows anybody flying a fucking goddamn rebel flag. To win elections, Democrats will destroy this bitch. They will burn the country down just so they can preside over the ashes. To a music break, more music that I don't know the name of the bands from the show Yellowstone. And then we come into Israel. This was awesome. (laughs) 
There's a bottle on the dresser by your ring, and it's empty. So right now I don't feel a thing. I'll be hurting when I wake up on the floor, but I'll be over it by noon. That's the difference between whiskey and you. Come tomorrow, I can walk in the store. It ain't a problem. And they'll always sell me more. But your forgiveness. That's something I can't buy. There anything that I can do. That's the difference between whiskey and you. One's a devil. One keeps driving me insane. At times I wonder. They ain't both the same. One's a liar, helps hide me from my pain, and one's long gone bitter truth. That's the difference between whiskey and you. I've got a problem, but it ain't like what you think. I drink 'cause I'm lonesome, and I'm lonesome 'cause I drink. But if I don't break down and bring it on myself, it'll hit out of blue. That's the difference between whiskey and you. One's a devil. One keeps driving me insane. At times I wonder, oh, if they ain't both the same. One's a liar. It helps to hide me from my pain. And one's a long gone bit of truth. That's the difference between whiskey and you. Oh, that's different between whiskey and you.
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Back to 2020 in a moment, but we begin the hour with a big and dramatic move today by Israel. A spokesman for Israel's foreign ministry saying the country will forbid two sitting U.S. congresswomen from traveling there. The two congresswomen, Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, both have expressed anti-Semitic sentiments on multiple occasions and both support a movement to boycott Israel. That is one big point of contention anyway. But the timing is what exacerbates things here. Israel has elections just around the corner. Prime Minister Netanyahu is trying to hold power. Add in a planned visit by the congresswoman to the Al-Aqsa Mosque, a sacred Muslim site, but one that also sits on the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount long been disputed, and conservative voices in Israel worry a Palestinian escort to the religious landmarks might be seen by some as legitimizing Palestinian claims to the site. The other big factor, though? the president of the United States. President Trump tweeting just earlier today, Israel letting Omar and Tlaib in, quote, would show great weakness. CNN's Oren Lieberman live for us in Jerusalem as this plays out. Oren, this is a big decision by Prime Minister Netanyahu and his government. Why? Unprecedented for a number of reasons. First, we've never seen President Donald Trump dictate what Israel's foreign policy should be in quite this way, essentially telling Israel, you shouldn't allow these two in. And then a short time after that, we got the official decision of the Israeli government from a spokesman for the deputy foreign minister. But since then, the interior minister and, of course, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu have confirmed that, saying they have decided to ban these two congresswomen, Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar, from visiting. That is also unprecedented, that Israel would not allow a sitting U.S. congressperson into the country. And in his statement, Netanyahu seemed to reference that, saying that Israel has tremendous respect for not only the United States, but also for the American Congress. But then he went on to try to explain his decision, saying Israel cannot allow these two to enter the country because of their support for a boycott of Israel. He accused them of trying to damage Israel in their trip. And as an example, said the listed destination of their journey was not Israel, it was Palestine. For those reasons, Netanyahu said he decided to ban, along with some of the other Israel officials, their entry into the country, which was scheduled to start just tomorrow. Again, there was no statement on when this decision was made, but it was certainly announced right after Trump's tweet saying Israel would be showing great weakness by allowing them in. So this decision, after a day of contemplation, has been set, John. You're absolutely right to point out the political considerations here, which you did just a short time ago. Netanyahu has an election he's facing. This may sit well with his right-wing voter base as he has a tough re-election campaign. The bigger risk, though, has he just created an even greater fracture between Israel and the Democratic Party. That's a fascinating moment. Orrin Lieberman will stay in touch as the elections play out in the days ahead. We'll keep watching that. And with me here in Washington to share their reporting and their insights, Eliana Johnson with Politico, CNN's Jeff Zeleny. Matt Visor with the Washington Post, and Laura Barone-Lopez with Politico. Um, let's start here in the sense that it is unprecedented for a president to tweet at a foreign government, do not let democratically elected members of Congress come and visit. Yes, they have said quite controversial things, uh, but uh, this country gives billions of dollars in economic and military aid to Israel. It is supposed to be two democracies that are willing to air their differences and have their debates. What does it say that the President of the United States would decide, you know what, I'm essentially going to tell, using Twitter, my friend Bibi, don't do this. Trump brought down his Twitter hammer this morning, firing off this message. It would show great weakness if Israel allowed Rep. Omar and Rep. Tlaib to visit. They are a disgrace. 
Hours later, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu complied, canceling the official visit of the two elected American officials, declaring in a statement their intent is to hurt Israel. Both Omar and Talib criticize Israeli policies concerning the Palestinians and support movements to boycott Israel. But this was a stunning moment. The president said it would show great weakness if Israel allowed Representative Omar and Representative Tlaib to visit. They hate Israel and all Jewish people. Netanyahu cited the congresswoman's support for a boycott of Israel for what they say is abuse of Palestinian rights. Congresswoman Omar said Israel was undermining democratic values and accused the president of being an Islamophobe. Tlaib posted a picture of her Palestinian grandmother and said the decision was a sign of weakness. Their colleague, Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips, said Israel's decision was appalling. It's the latest showdown between the president and those Democrats who, along with two other freshman congresswomen, have been frequent Trump targets. The president recently facing a bipartisan rebuke for his racist remark calling for them to go back where they came from. He's launching a blatantly racist attack. But Omar has also faced criticism, including from some Democrats, for comments they've called. Man, the media just sucks on this one. Israel bars Democratic congresswoman from entering the country. Israel announced Tuesday it was barring the entry of two Democratic U.S. congresswomen after Donald Trump encouraged the move, a remarkable step both by the U.S. president and his ally, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. No proof of any of that. That's CNN. That's how they did it. Reagan Battalion, Newsflash, Ilian, Minnesota, and Rashida Tlaib never said anything about visiting Israel. This is their official schedule headline. Perhaps Palestine will still allow them to enter. Harry Kakacha train. According to their own itinerary, Ilian Omar and Rashida Tlaib chose to refer to Israel as Palestine. Their trip there was little more than a self-indulgent ploy to delegitimize and malign the Jewish state from within its borders. Here is... Let me see if I can zoom this in. I can. Hold on a second. Let's get over here. Arrive, Tel Aviv, check-in, welcome and lunch with U.S. Embassy, meeting with representatives from ANSUR. The entire tour, is not, it has nothing to do with Israel. It's all Palestine. It's all besmirching Israel. That's what they were going to do. The whole trip. PM of Israel, Netanyahu, no country in the world respects America and American Congress more than the state of Israel as a free and vibrant democracy. Israel is open to critics and critics with one exception. Israel, Israeli law prohibits the entry into Israel. Those who call for and work to impose boycotts on Israel and do other democracy, as do other democracies that prohibit the entry of people who seek to harm the country. In fact, in the past, the U.S. did this to an Israeli member of Knesset as well as to other public figures from around the world. Congressman Tlaib and Omar are leading activists in promoting the legislation of boycotts against Israel and American Congress. Only a few days ago, we received their itinerary for the visit to Israel, with revealed that they plan to visit those whose sole objective is to strengthen the boycott against us and deny Israel legitimacy. For instance, they listed the destination of the trips as Palestinian and not Israel. And unlike all Democratic and Republican members of Congress who have visited Israel, they do not request to meet any Israeli officials, either from the government or the opposition. 
A week ago, Israel warmly welcomed some 70 Democrat and Republican members of Congress to express broad bipartisanship <clears throat> support for Israel, which was also demonstrated a month ago in a resounding bipartisan vote against BDS in Congress. However, the itinerary of the two congresswomen revealed that the sole purpose of their visit is to harm Israel and increase incitement against it. In addition, the organization that's funding the trip in Mitfa, which is an avid supporter of BDS and among whose members are those who have expressed support for terrorism against Israel. Therefore, the Minister of Interior has decided not to allow their visit, and I, as Prime Minister, support his decision. Nonetheless, if Congressman Tlaib submits a humanitarian request to visit her relatives, the Minister of Interior has announced that he will consider her request on the condition that she pledges not to act to promote, promote BDS during her visit. Gerald Byer dug deeper because the media didn't, under the heading, Is Israel the Only Possible Homeland for Jews? This article questioning the appropriateness of Israel as a location of a Jewish homeland was posted by Mitfa, one of the sponsors of the promised Omar visit. Only when Hitler arrived and the Holocaust began did a large number of European Jews yearn to go to Israel. Without the influx, Israel would never become a threat to the Palestinian Arabs that it is today. We're not underpopulated Biraza, Uganda, or Argentina better opportunities to build an Israel? Who knows? As the, that reality sinks into Israel's consciousness, Jews might look at Biradaza with a fresh eye. He asked, doesn't this look newsworthy? French, David type. Here's a part of Omar and Tlaib's Israel story that you're likely not to read. They planned the trip with a vile, vicious anti-Semitic group that spreads blood libel, printed neo-Nazi propaganda, and celebrates terrorists who kill children. Excellent, important piece from David French, who looked through Matifa's or Mifta's website and found it was like peeling an onion of evil. There were layer upon layer of vile anti-Semitism. Should be a national scandal. Indeed, it should. Seth Mandel, what bo- what's really bothersome about the pro-neo-Nazi blood libel-pushing organization sponsoring their trip is that it's so easy to find. It's all out in the open. NYT, WAPO, CNN, at all have made an active choice to suppress and whitewash racism and anti-Semitism. And they are. There is quite literally no excuse not to be covering this. What a national shame, these outlets. What a disgrace. Politico. Omar and Tlaib, the first two Muslim women in Congress, were slated to arrive in Israel weekend, but Trump lobbied. APF. Trump letting U.S. Muslim lawmakers in Israel would show great weakness. Trump and Bloomberg. Israel should not stop the two Muslim. Fox. Prime Minister Netanyahu just blocked two Muslim Democrats of Congress, both of whom are prominent women of color and highly critical of his country, from visiting Israel next week. Toronto Sun, may God ruin Trump. Tlaib's grandmother became a Twitter moment. People are honoring Tlaib's grandma. Molly Jong Fast, I'm sick of scary Republicans using fake concern for Jews as a way to launder their racism towards Muslims. Sarah Rumpf, what the actual fuck? 
It should be too much to ask that members of Congress not promote the week of anti-Semitic cartoonists. Surely someone on their staff has access to Google. Bacha Unger Sargon. Oof. Looks like Omar and Talib shared this awful Carlos Luftoff cartoon in Instagram stories yesterday. In 2006, Luntoff came in second in Iran's International Holocaust Cartoon Contest, which is a thing that exists, in case you thought the TL couldn't get any worse. They, more they try to to silence us, our voices rise. The more they try to weaken us, the stronger we become. The more they try to discredit us, the truth prevails. It has a Jewish star and Netanyahu and Trump silencing Omar and Tlaib. None of this was reported, boys and girls. None of it. They have taken the usual playing card, the intersectionality scorecard, and said, well, it's okay that these people are anti-Semite because they're Muslim and they're women of color and they're progressives. So they can do whatever they fucking want. But should we be surprised? Here's our media roundup of hate this week. Remember, the Hitler references are exactly one-third of what I could have played just for this week. Right now, Donald Trump would win, and I want people to be very frightened, because if Donald Trump wins again, our democracy is really in play. This is serious. It's okay if I depress your audience on a show like this. I know it's a comedy show. I try to every Every night. night. I just keep laughing. (laughs) Uh, we're, we're in serious trouble here. This is, if you look at what dictators do throughout history, they come in, they create an other, and he did that, he does that every day, he did that in stunning fashion yesterday. They get enough rich people to look the other way, they discredit the press, they say they're They get enough stuff. rich people to look the other way, that's a very interesting point. Which is the most heinous part. I, I, you know, the people that, to me, that he promises them jobs and he believes they can get them jobs, to me, the people that I have loathe are the wealthy people that know better. But for an extra five bucks or ten bucks or two percent on the taxes, they'll look the other way. And we're at the point now when you look at what he did yesterday as a racist. If you look the other way, you are no better than that guy on the subway. If a white nationalist was screaming at a, at a person of color saying, go back to your country. And if you put your head down and didn't say anything, that's what voting for Donald Trump is like now. Well, what I, what I started to say is we need to be frightened. Dictators show us what they're going to do. They tell us. And basically, as I said, you you destroy the press. You get the Justice Department in your pocket. You start acting above the law. You say you'll put your political opponents in jail. Um, You say you think you should stay longer than the eight years. Um, We should be very frightened. Everybody says it can't happen here. This is, I think, the most frightening time this country has ever faced. There's a lot at stake. And once again, guys... There's only one solution, and that's to get out and vote. And, you know, it's not going to be Mueller. It's not going to be an impeachment. you got to get out and vote this guy out of office. She looks down with contempt on the hardworking American, saying that ignorance is pervasive in many parts of this country. And obviously and importantly, Omar 
has a history of launching vicious anti-Semitic screeds. That's a president, actually, uh, from his Nuremberg rally from last night. Which yeah, something like you're that. You're fortunate enough to get some... Two uh, days. So, um, John Heilman, uh, it's hard to say, actually, that this is shocking, uh, given everything that has preceded uh, this moment. Perhaps everything has led up to this. Uh, but this is the low point of... I, I, I think it's a low point of the Trump presidency, and I would hope after last night's shocking display in any other context, under any other president, uh, at any other time in American history, um, that we can go ahead and just be done with uh, the fiction that Donald Trump uh, is, is a bad guy. Uh, running the the country, but those at the rally, uh, we need to we need to try to figure out how to understand them a bit more. They once again made themselves perfectly clear last night. At exactly 6:47 Eastern Time, we're going to learn who is the new Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. The race comes down to front runner, former Foreign Secretary. Boris Johnson, and the current Foreign Secretary, Jeremy Hunt, in his latest column for the Financial Times, entitled Donald Trump, Boris Johnson, and Lessons from the 1930s, Gideon Rackman asks, when is it right to sound the alarm about political turmoil? He writes in part this, the complaints by today's populists that a deep state in the U.S. and Britain is thwarting the will of the people is reminiscent of Sebastian Hafner's description of the far right in Germany in the 1920s. With deep hatred, they coined the word system for the impalpable force that held them within bounds. For the moment, at least, they were held within bounds. A well-read young lawyer, Hafner, nurtured a deep intellectual contempt for the Nazis and their revolting jargon, every syllable of which implied a violent stupidity. But this contempt turned out to be a political trap because I was inclined not to take them very seriously, a common attitude among their inexperienced opponents, which helped them a lot. Let me, Gene Robinson, very quickly, uh, we, we, before we go to Bill this Neely in really London. This is really important. Uh, when do you sound that political uh, alarm? There are certain things we are not allowed to say. But I must say, the last week, uh, we have seen the United yeah. States of America go from electing a candidate who promised to keep Muslims out of America. Mm -hmm. who, who prayed against that discrimination and that bigotry, talking about a Muslim registry like mm -hmm. the Nazis had, a Jewish registry. And now we've moved from that to a president who is now talking about kicking out American citizens, be they Muslims or Hispanics or black women, that he just doesn't like, which he says they are, quote, lucky to be here. So... We look at this FT article, and I'm wondering, Gene, when is the time to sound the alarm? When is the time to start saying, well, does this look like Germany in 1932? Does this look like Germany in 1933? Is now the time to start asking that question? 
Well, the time to start sounding an alarm, uh, a general alarm, was, was some time ago. Uh, and, it, and people should be screaming now. I mean, the alarm should be at full volume. Uh, you know, one, one thing you um, most columnists um, wisely resolve uh, is uh, don't bring out the 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 Hitler Germany analogy uh, you know that that's you, you never use that um, but we're getting close I mean we're getting to the point where you you need to start just looking at the historical precedent and and understanding that um, you know history doesn't repeat it it rhymes but uh, there are some awful, awful things happening in the great democracies uh, that that sort of uphold the Western um, uh, Western values and, and, and Western order and have done so for decades and, uh, you know, the United States and Britain. And uh, this is crazy and it, it, it does not end well. There was no, si no criticism from Republicans. It was radio silence. There was nothing in the conservative media attacking him. He was emboldened, and he doubled down with another tweet. This is who he is. His, the Republican Party is going to, as long as they remain silent, this is who he's going to continue to be. And Mika, in the poll that we showed, that showed Donald Trump losing to Bernie Sanders by seven points, Joe Biden by nine points, Elizabeth Warren by five points, nine out of ten Republicans approve of Donald mm -hmm. Trump's performance as president. Let me say that again. Yeah. Nine out of ten Republicans approve of Donald Trump's performance as president of the United States, a performance that has included one racist screed yeah. after another. So this is not just about Donald Trump. This is not just about elected leaders in Washington, D.C. This is about a political party now that has embraced the racial ideology of David Duke. Good well, luck with that in the years to come, because you are going to be left on the dustbin of political history. In hindsight, is there anything ICE could have done better last week in Mississippi? No, I think this was a textbook operation. Matthew Albin says that despite the emotional accounts of kids left without their parents as the operation unfolded. <laughs> You've seen this video. I have, yes, you have. What would you tell that little girl? Well, I don't think I would speak to the little girl. I would speak to the parents, and I would speak to the community at large. Some of the most difficult things that we have to do in our jobs to enforce the laws involve the separation of parents from children. We conduct operations with professionalism, with compassion, and with humanity. The parents or the individuals that are breaking the law are ultimately the ones that are responsible for placing their children in this situation. Before Albans was appointed in June, he made headlines when he compared an ICE facility to summer camp. Do you still believe that? No, I was speaking about a particular facility, which is a family residential center, which provides a whole host of resources. I would hope and pray that I would be treated and my family would be treated with a fraction of the humanity. Well, I think one of the things, Frank Fagluzzi, is that this president has always, from anyone who is around him, Anthony Scaramucci knows this as well as anybody else, demanded this blind loyalty, right? I say it, it must be so, or even if you don't think it's so, you don't criticize me for it. Well, this is why it's so important to look through the, the lens of radicalization when you look at this president and, and then apply counter-radicalization techniques. Because you're right, um, attacking his followers 
is is going to be counterproductive. He demands that loyalty, and they are loyal. So if you call Trump followers racist and mass, they simply coalesce around each other and become even more defensive and protective of the leader, just as they would in, say, a terrorist organization to compare to the radicalization process. Whether the person is mentally ill, whether the person is inspired by somebody, or just lashing out, the gun is the common factor. What do you think America can do about people's easy access to guns? Okay, well, first I want to say that, yes, guns are the common factor, and the common enemy in all of this is Mitch McConnell. And so um, I just want to ask all of you... Uh, so please give him a call and say, I sent you. Um, uh, I'm not sure he'll answer. He's probably in Russia. But on the off chance that he is actually doing his job... Um, lobby him at 202-224. Up to him. Well, up to him. Malum wal ba'ina di tagan to him. Wa ini mahalina ya tagiri da imujisen. Tagiri angudi karamahan. Umad Somalia da antoro wa abad. That can uhal gami rabana. That can uhu reyo wa that can ankada shi Somalia or Romada Ethiopianka that can East Africanka. Manta wa mani wembe nota hai. Wa mani bilawe nota hai. O an rejeine na insha'Allah hilkan utar tamayo golaha barlamanka gobalka minisora. Shaki kumajiro Sidan hadang kuso ane nang kugula isa neno. Hakik di kofki alaf ula umba kugula isa na. Lakin sidan hadang kuso ano. Gushu wano dalatay abi abda umatinti. Mahmoud Dagh Musannur Dagh Darajjad University of Minneapolis. That last soundbite is Omar's district a state representative acceptance in a foreign language. Am I xenophobic? No. But that's the number one recruiting ground for ISIS. And now we have another Muslim extremist in wielding power in Minnesota. Is that a problem? Yeah. That's a problem, boys and girls. That's a big-time problem. It's unacceptable. Just unacceptable. But they killed, They just continued on with articles. Whiteness <coughs> killing us. Former Colorado House candidate tweets anti-white rant. Finally, a lefty who doesn't blame guns for shootings. No, Indian-American activist and former Democratic congressman candidate for Colorado, Saria Rao, who we've had on the show before, knows what's really going on. Whiteness. All whiteness is killing us. Rao shared a conclusion in August 12th tweet, the mass shooting by white males in Dayton and El Paso, combined with their tolerant, sunny liberalism, convinced the former candidate that America needs a campaign for ending whiteness. 
White people are shooting up mosques. White people are shooting up synagogues. White people are shooting up gawaras. White people are shooting up schools. White people are shooting black children. White people are shooting brown children. So then moved on to bashing police. Police murder black people for sitting, standing, breathing. White America has caged black and brown people in concentration camps. Raul kept pushing, signaling that this isn't about right or left politics, policy, or certain religious persuasions, but sins inherently tied to the color of certain people's skins. White people are killing us. White people is killing us. White people, conservatives, liberals, Democrats, Republicans, rich, poor, private sector, public sector, religious, agnostic, atheists, Brooklyn, Atlanta, Mississippi, Denver, San Francisco, North Dakota continues to steal from us, speak over us, speak for us, throw us under the bus, ghost us, talk smack about us. Whiteness, all whiteness is killing us. They end, she then issued a final charge to any like-minded racist out there. Make a banner about ending whiteness. March against whiteness. Rally against whiteness. Raise your megaphone against whiteness. Take to the streets against whiteness. And nobody reported that. Because they're too busy doing this. Vanity Fair. White House Barbie Ivanka afflicted with unbearable whiteness. Plays diplomat like a White House Barbie or a from Donatella Versace. She's so white that the racists who comprise a significant portion of her father's base don't seem to care that she converted to Judaism. Literally everything on above about Ivanka is white, including the cover of a poorly selling 2017 book, Women Who Work, containing dull observations and often misattributed quotes about gender equality. Her new dog named Winter inhaled on Instagram as the newest member of the Kushner family, a sparkling blue eyes and fur as white as snow. Her voice with its sleep-inducing ASMR infliction sounds like white noise. Some have pointed out that she seems to adapt her eye color from brown to blue using color contacts when interacting with her father. Substitute any other skin color, and that would be considered racist in our society. But those two stories... We're not covered by CNN. We're not covered by ABC, NBC, and CBS because it's okay to be racist as long as you're not white. Anti-ICE activist threatens man's children. FBI investigates shots fired at window of ICE office. Didn't hear this, did you? Protests against immigration and custom enforcement have escalated in recent months with two alarming incidents taking place within 24 hours of each other this week. In July, a self-described Antifa activist who was armed with a rifle and incendiary device was shot dead by police after he attempted to create explosions at an ICE detention central center in Washington. This week, group of anti-ICE activists in Florida threatened the children of a person connected to a private contractor used by ICE, and a day later, ICE offices in San Antonio, Texas, were fired upon in what authorities are calling a targeted attack. We know where all your children live throughout the country, John Buffin. You have kids and bleeped out. You have kids and bleeped out. The protesters shouted. We know everything about you, and you won't just be seeing us here. We know where you sleep at night. We know what kind of dog food you buy. Your dogs. We're not actually joking, the protesters said before shouting the location of where Buffin lives. John Buffin, you go to bleep out. You go to church on bleep out. You live on bleep out road. We are not okay. We are not joking. That was ignored. Nobody cared. They just don't care. Want some more hate? Because it comes in many forms, boys and girls. And Matt in Oregon brings us 
Google. When you sat down with me last time on uh, the story that we released on June 24th, you were disguised. You were in the shadows. Right now, there's no disguise. I felt that our entire election system was going to be compromised forever uh, by this company that told the American public that it was not going to do any evil. This is the best thing that I can do in the situation that I'm currently at. And the thing is, is that the American public needs to understand what's happening. Um, I'm going to, you know, uh, publish this information so that other people can see the system that Google has built in order to control the entire information landscape. This is something that once people see, it's going to bring, it doesn't matter whether you're left or whether you're right. When you see this, both sides are going to agree that this is wrong. So my message to those that are on the fence is I've released the documents. They can go and they can see everything that Google is doing. And then they can see the scale of it. Because I think that there's a lot of engineers that have a hint that things are wrong, but they don't understand the colossal scale that it's at. And so for those people, I say, look at the documents. Like, like take the pulse of America and see what's happening. And come and, and tell the world you know, what you already know to be true. And I, and I know that people have been waiting for you know, this Google Snowden moment where somebody comes out and explains what everybody already knows to be true. And I'm hoping that those that want to do something are going to be compelled to act and that we together can come together and defend ourselves in the case of litigation. You know, they can stop like one or two of us, but they can't stop all of us coming out and explaining to the American public that this is what's happening, that Google is not who they say they are. You're going to be a hero. It's going to be fine. Like, like you know, clear your conscience. You'll be able to live with that for the rest of your life that you did the right thing. This is how our society is getting bent to the wrong direction. And once again, the previous hate. I didn't close it out the way I wanted to, so let me close it for going to Matt's story. This is why I own firearms. People say, well, why do you need firearms? You don't need firearms. There's a sect of our society is becoming very violent because they can't change the country to what they want, which is not the country. They want a socialistic, anarchist, open border, who God, God knows what they really want because every time you turn around, it's something new. This is why... We get fired up about our guns. It's not because we're a bunch of racist motherfuckers or we want to go up, shoot up schools or shoot people that are people of color. It's because your side of the political spectrum is becoming very violent. You can project media about white nationalism, but that's not true. There is no big marches of white people burning cities down. There are no big marches of white people running around, beating people, beating journalists, beating up fucking people of color, gay people, anybody they can get in their path who they perceive to be non-pure. No, boys and girls, that's your side of the spectrum. That's your fascism. And that's why people like me have guns to defend our home. Let's be honest. And some of these sects out in Berkeley, anywhere in California, Washington, Oregon, New York, Baltimore, 
If somebody found out who I was and was angry enough, they'd be in front of my house. Even though I only have 300 listens a week to a podcast. Because it's no longer about the voters booth. It's about progressive purity. Their religion is a cult. I've said it a million times on this show. It's a cult. It pervade, It goes into every facet of their life. They expect you to see the world like they do. Which is why this story by Matt proves my point tenfold. It's not enough to own the media. It's not enough to own newspapers, magazines. They own social media. That soundbite goes along with these articles. Google, YouTube, Rig News, and Video Results. Project Veritas dropped a massive 900-page leak from Google whistleblower Zachary Vorthes that showed how the company allegedly manipulated search results, along with the topics Google YouTube manipulated were pro-life advocacy, questioning various terror attacks, and several political organizations, including the Heritage Foundation. The August 14 leak also explained how the Twiddler system yet lets both of them workers rank search results based upon what the company wants emphasized or de-emphasized. Most people using Google or YouTube statistically go to the first new few results that pop up when they search the topic. Twiddler makes use of a list of keyword called the YouTube controversial curry blacklist. This list of flag keywords will cause a video to be viewed, reviewed as for whether it should be promoted to the first page of search results, demoted, or possibly removed entirely. Oh, that's just conspiracy theories. I looked up the Ferguson effect on Google and YouTube. It would not give me Heather McDonald. It would give me Vox, HuffPo, CNN saying the Ferguson effect is bullshit. Those were the first results. It took me to page three to find Heather McDonald. Because she's not a good person. She speaks of truth. We don't want truth. We want emotion. The Twiddler Quick Start Guide explained to Google employees how to rank results, such as how to demote a result to the second page. Oh, wow. Kind of like what I did. And so on, or even hide them all together. The YouTube controversial Curie blacklist involves many newsworthy terms, especially around pro-life debates, shooting controversies, and many others. Numerous pages were dominated by search keywords questioning the still murky story of Las Vegas, the deadliest U.S. shooting. The list also highlighted various political organizations as worthy of artificial promotion or de-boosting. The list including conservative organizations possibly flagged for de-boosting was the NRA, Heritage, Gunners America, Irish Pro-Life, Ion Institute. Also flagged were liberal groups including Anti-Defamation League, NAACP, Planned Parenthood, and the Southern Poverty Law Center. It's always there for the left. The list is not sorted according to what Googlers may want boosted to the front page versus demoted to later page, where it is less likely to be read. It includes instructions in the guide to tell employees how to do both. A liberal employee might have the power to boost something by the ADL while demoting the Heritage Foundation, both of which are included in the query list. The manipulation of the Heritage Foundation is an interesting move because Google scrapped its AI ethics board over the inclusion of the Heritage Foundation president. 
The inclusion of Irish pro-life organization may seem random until one considers a substantial portion of the list was devoted to terms related to the recent referendum on abortion in Ireland. There has been recent protests held outside of Google's Irish headquarters over the deplatforming, and this revelation may add fuel to the fire. As Project Veritas founder James O'Keefe tweeted, newly leaked YouTube docs show Irish Eighth Amendment pro-life Irish Catholic and YouTube controversial blacklist. Part of what makes this rigging system so dangerous is that according to recent studies covered by Common Sense Media, more than half of teens, 54%, get news at least a few times a week from social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and 50% get their news from YouTube. Want more? Google staffers fight working with ICE, compare agency to Nazis. Google employees aren't happy with the idea of working with the Immigration and Custom Enforcement of Custom and Border Protection. A petition written by Googler called for Google to avoid working with ICE and CBP, as well as the Office of Refugee Resettlement, was published August 14th. Google employees accused the organizations of abuses which are illegal under international human rights law and immoral by any standard. The CBP is apparently preparing to request bids for a cloud computing contract. Googlers compared this with IBM working with the Nazis during the Holocaust. The protesters wrote, We have only to look at IBM's role working with the Nazis during the Holocaust to understand the role that technology can play in automating mass atrocity. Googlers wanted their company to make a firm commitment not to support CBP, ISO, or ORR with any infrastructure, funding, or engineering resources directly or indirectly until they stop engaging in human rights abuses. In documents leaked by former Googler engineer Zach Vorthes, CLO David Drummond told Google, it's important to have a comprehensive immigration reform so we can deal with all of the segments. In terms of the tech companies, we've been leaders on this for a long time. Staffers at Amazon, BuzzFeed, and Microsoft signed on to the petition with Google. Google refused to work with the United States government when it did not renew its contract on Project Maven, a Pentagon defense project. Fox noted that in order to keep up its operations, ICE relies on 200 different tech companies who are now banning them. You want more? Google treats job candidates differently to get perfect blend of gender and race. This is so not surprising. In the extensive document dropped by Voorheath, TGIF Diversity of Google revealed a troubling aspect that Google dis- about Google. Discussions among executives and employees alike revealed that Google was willing to work extra hard in order to achieve his idea of perfect diversity in the workplace. The document published by Veritas included an email chain among employees as well as a talk given by top Google execs, including former CEO Page and YouTube CEO Susan Woshik, who said that, you know, if you watch Ben Shapiro, it is a gateway drug to the KKK. The employees also spoke about fixing immigration in America in order to welcome more diversity at Google. Senior Vice President of Knowledge Alan Eustace shared at a TGIF talk titled Diversity at Google, saying he was interested in eliminating false negatives when it came to diverse job candidates. He said, we don't get to see very many, you know, black engineers in our pool. You know, we're going to see like a vanishing small number of them. Spending a little extra time with the candidate, if the interview didn't go well, he said, why don't we do a bunch of things just to make sure that we're not having a false negative in this case. He told a story about he was going through a packet that belonged to a failed candidate. She had one bad review. 
one bad interview, excuse me. So I called her advisor, who happened to be a friend of mine, and I said, hey, do we make a mistake here? He said, yeah, you made one of the worst mistakes you've ever made. You just then said that Google's hiring process was hopelessly flawed. The Media Research Center interviewed Voethees, who explained that Google had a system called Coffee Bean Example. <clears throat> the company wrote in one of the documents that the company wanted to make the most diversity to make a better blend. There's a flavor of bean that overrepresented because more of them exceed the threshold of desirability, you white motherfuckers. This is an allegory to race. More people of a certain race are past the threshold. They're saying there is a value in the blend. They're going to try harder to get a better blend. The goal is cultural, but the criteria is racial. The company desire to add more diversity might lead to more political activism on the immigration front. At the TGIF diversity event, an unnamed employee stated, one way to support hiring a large number of women engineers is actually to fix immigration. To get green cards stapled to advanced degrees for STEM fields. Jesus fucking Christ. Want more? This is the New York Times. Editor battle leftist staffers on Trump crying racism. One of the most interesting stories in the New York Times is the fierce battle with the newspaper to drag it further to the left than it already is. The internal fury over Trump's recent printing, a blatantly objective headline about Trump urges unity versus racism, resulted in an internal town hall meeting and it appears the leftists leaked the transcript to the liberal website Slate. Executive editor Dean Banquet began his remarks by boasting about coverage of Russian collusion conspiracy theories. We built our newsroom to cover one story, and we did it truly well. Now we have to regroup and shift resources and emphasis to take on a different story. In other words, stick a fork in collusion. We need a new approach to talking de- taking down Trump to write about race and class in a deeper way than we have in years. Chapter one of the story of Donald Trump, not only for our newsroom, but frankly for our readers, was did Trump have untoward relationship with the Russians, and was there obstruction of justice? There was a really hard story, by the way. Let's not forget that. We set ourselves up to cover the story. I'm going to say we won two Pulitzers about the lie. Then the new Mueller report came up empty on collusion, which raises questions about the news judgment of the Times and the Pulitzer Prize juries, which have very similar acts to grind. The day Bob Mueller... Off the witness stand, two things happened. Our readers want, who want Donald Trump to go away suddenly thought, holy shit, Bob Mueller's not going to do that. And Donald Trump got a little emboldened politically. I think because you know for obvious reasons, and I think the story changed. A lot of the stuff we're talking about started to merge like six or seven weeks ago. They're a little tiny bit flat-footed. I mean, that's what happens when a story looks a certain way for two years, right? That's how you describe it when your conspiracy theory crashes and burns like Hindenburg. We're, st- we're a little tiny bit flat-footed. Banquet knows that Times readers wanted Trump removed from office ASAP. They're hardcore Democrat and socialists. He said our readers and some of our staff cheer us when we take on Trump, but they jeer at us when we take on Biden. They sometimes want us to pretend that he's not been elected president, but he was elected president. I'm wondering to what extent you think that the fact of racism and white supremacy being sort of the foundation of this country should play into our reporting, just because it feels to me like it should be a starting point, you know, like these conversations about what is racist, what isn't racist. I just feel like racism is in everything. It should be considered in our science reporting, in our culture reporting, in our national reporting. Objective 
journalism. And after this meeting, they released this. This is not a DNC ad. This is the New York Times. I got a very, very small loan from my father. You've got to start somewhere. I'm a reporter from the New York Times. I'm aware of the statements, thousands of property records. 1995 showed that he was bleeding money. Go through it all, understand it all. Holy number by number. That's when we realized that's fraud. I built this empire. I did it by myself. This story was so huge. Another one came out. Transcript of New York Times staff meeting reveals leadership plan for reporting on Trump for the next two years. Collusion. Race, division. But they're an objective news source. Objective. But it's just not them. We move on to CNN. J. Arthur Bloom. Witness corroborate Don Lemon's sexual assault claim. Sexual assault claims against Don Lemon are now more substantiated than any of the ones against... Justice Kavanaugh, the former boss of bartender, earlier this week filed an explosive lawsuit against CNN Don Lemon, accused the newsman of a strange sexual charge assault, told Fox News he witnessed the incident and corroborated his one-time employee's claim. An exclusive interview, George Gundulas, who managed Dustin Heiss at Old Stove Pub, detailed that allegedly occurred on the night of the bizarre encounter of Murph's Black Street Tavern, which is located in the prestigious Hampton area of East New York City. Gullianus is named in a suit filed by Heiss, Lemon, through CNN, has vehemently denied he sexually harassed a dude. Cuomo? Series calling him Frito. New York Post. Chris Cuomo once referred to himself as Frito in a radio show. Yeah. Near attended, Democratic resistance member. People tell you it's okay to call an Italian man Frito. The same people who said it was okay to throw money at a woman leader and call her a whore. And they never think about the energy they take rationalizing the generation of others. Molly Ratty. She just defended Castro targeting private citizens for donating Trump. Perhaps she should take a seat. She also is a person that race baits. But I have 30 tweets of everybody in the world, left and right, saying, Yeah, no, Frito is not the N-word. Then you have this one, CNN again. April Ryan has bodyguard violently eject journalist. It's been a bad week for CNN. Cuomo and Don Lemon both embroiled in scandals. Now CNN and political analyst April Ryan's in hot water after a local journalist claims he was assaulted by Ryan's bodyguard while covering an event she was speaking at. Charlie Catrolve, a local New Jersey journalist and editor of New Brunswick Today, told a story on Twitter of covering a fourth annual New Jersey Parent Summit where Ryan was speaking on August 3rd. You can see the thread below. He explained that he went through all the proper channels documenting his story with evidence. Thread. It's been 36 hours since April Ryan's security guard assaulted me in a hotel lobby after stealing our camera. Because there has been such 
misinformation going around. I wanted to lay out exactly what happened before, during, and after this video. As Ryan was about to speak, a trolley was approached by Ryan's bodyguard, refused to identify himself, but demanded the journalist stop filming. When he explained he had proper clearance to film and refused to shut off his camera, he was violently ejected from the event, and his camera was stolen by Ryan's security. The venue surveillance camera recorded the incident. Gadoli took video of what he could capture while he posted to YouTube. While all this was going down, Ryan allegedly told the crowd, when I speak, I don't have news covering my speech, explained Miss Ryan, and she wanted to be able to have an unfettered discussion. Basically, show that she's not a political analyst. She's actually a racist. That's okay. Yet, as Cattrolli pointed out, there was other cameras there reporting, recording her speech. Only he was singled out. April Ryan marketed her latest book, Under Fire, reporting from the front lines of Trump's White House on her supposed mission of truth-telling and fighting for freedom of the press, which makes a story of her allegedly blocking a journalist the all more hilarious. On top of it, Cattrolli is a friend of Ryan's own politics. On top of it, Cattrolli is friendly to Ryan's own politics, admitting he doesn't like Trump and wanted to see him impeached, tweeting, Before the program began, I introduced myself to Representative Donald Payne and thanked him for his recent support of impeaching the president. I think the president deserves much criticism for his administration's lack of transparency, his always irresponsible rhetoric towards the media, and his challenge attack on individual reporters like Ryan, Cattrolli said. Her reputation now depends on finally addressing this situation head-on and proclaiming that what happened that night in New Brunswick cannot be tolerated. Nothing. From CNN. Nothing. She'll be back on. Hmm. Then why WAPO, while all this is happening, to show this is just a cesspool of activists, CNN increasingly sees itself as a subject to threats after incidents involving Cuomo, Lemon, and Ryan. Ryan attacked, her bodyguard, attacked a journalist. Cuomo verbally assaulted a man, and Lemon sexually assaulted. But they're under attacks. We're living in a time when journalists are being confronted with orchestrated provocation on Sunday afternoon while out with their families and shakedowns with people looking to make a quick buck, all because of what, <clears throat> where they work and their commitment to holding this, those in power accountable. License to do so is being given from the highest levels of office in the country. It is dangerous and is wrong. CNN is coming for frequent criticism for Trump as fake news and the enemy of the people. In October, a Florida man, Cesar Sayox, sent an inappropriate or inoperative mail bomb. They go back to the mail bomb. Derek Hunter. Threats they faced this week. Cuomo threatened to toss a guy down some stairs. Lemon sued for allegedly rubbing himself and shoving his hand in a guy's face. April Ryan's bodyguard stole the lib journalist's camera and roughed him up. You aren't the victim. You're the perp. Yeah. And while all this is going on, and they're just so treated poorly, we're going to start with Chuck Todd first because I had to slip this in. Hoping for a recession. CNN hoping for a recession. And then a panel discussion fighting because somebody said they still use straws. And if you use straws, you're supporting Donald Trump. With Chuck Todd. Good Sunday morning. Throughout his presidency, Donald Trump has had one powerful and faithful ally, the economy. More than anything else, he has counted on the economy to help overcome doubts about his style and carry him to re-election. But that ally may be deserting him. This week's stock market tumble, 800 points on Wednesday, was not entirely Mr. Trump's doing. And by Friday, some of that loss was recovered. But the drop can be tied to the uncertainty that has been caused by the trade war 
Mr. Trump has launched against China. The question for the president, will his supporters, who have either embraced or simply accepted so much of his norm-breaking presidency, be as forgiving of all of those norm, uh, breaking of norms if the economy falters? Our new NBC News Wall Street Journal poll, taken before Wednesday's stock market tumble, has the president's approval rating dipping a bit, 43%, 55% disapproving. That 43% of approval sits at the lower end of his very narrow trading range, rarely moving more than two or three points from one month to the next. But look at this. At the end of 2015, before the Trump presidency, Americans supported free trade by a relatively narrow 10-point margin, 51-41. Now with President Trump backing away from free trade, fighting China with tariffs, and no end in sight, American support for free trade has quadrupled, it seems as if, by a margin of 64-2070, now a 40-point spread, from a 10-point spread to a 40-point spread. And while some of those changes are likely due to Democrats reflexively opposing anything this president does, some of it also reflects voter anxiety about the president's trade policies, all of which, the Washington Post reports, has left the president a bit rattled as he tries to assure his supporters that the economy remains as strong as ever. You have no choice but to vote for me because your 401ks, down the tubes, everything's going to be down the tubes. President Trump trying to warn voters that if he loses, the stock market will plummet. After a week, when it did, on his watch, the Dow average plummeting 3%. A major sell-off here on Wall Street today. Growing recession fears. Mr. Trump has banked on a strong economy, making it a central argument for his re-election. Perhaps the greatest economy we've had in the history of our country. If our opponent ever got into office, instead of being up, 62% instead of those 401ks of yours being up 60, 70, 80, 90%. Crash. Big crash. And congressional Republicans have persistently forgiven the president's political weaknesses, arguing that for voters in 2020, it'll be the economy, stupid. Great prosperity, 50-year low unemployment. Mm. That's what the election, I think, is going to be about. But now, with the economy weakening, despite low unemployment, Mr. Trump, who says he isn't worried, is showing signs of alarm, relentlessly attacking the chair of the Federal Reserve. If we had a Fed that would lower interest rates, would be like a rocket ship. Jay Powell should be cutting rates. Jay Powell's made a big mistake. And announcing he will delay his latest tariff threat on China until mid-December. Voters have given Mr. Trump his highest marks on the economy, but he may have little room to grow. Among the 9% of voters who disapprove of Mr. Trump overall, but approve of his handling of the economy, 73% prefer a Democratic candidate for president. Just 5% say Trump should be re-elected. Anxious about a downturn, Mr. Trump, who has long campaigned on the politics of grievance, is dialing up the culture wars. On immigration. Give me your tired and your poor who can stand on their own two feet. On race. Obviously headed up by Elijah Cummings. Uh, they've run Baltimore into the ground. And now on the politics of Israel. On Thursday, the day after the stock market dropped over 800 points, he tweeted that it would show great weakness if Israel allowed Muslim congresswomen Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib to visit, saying they hate Israel and all Jewish people. The things that they've said, uh, Omar, Tlaib, what they've said is uh, disgraceful, so I can't imagine why Israel would let them in. Uh, this is a president that is fueling such vicious divisiveness um, and uh, treating sitting members of Congress in a way, I don't care what party you are, um, this is wrong. 
And joining me now is the president's chief economic advisor, the director of the National... Questions about the economy that haven't been asked in more than a decade, warning signs that haven't been flashing this bright in more than a decade, and clouds that some analysts say haven't been this dark in a decade. Tarana, you look at this and you say it's here. It's here. And in fact, I said that in, uh, on Sunday in a column, uh, and I'm not sure whether to be happy that I was right or really devastated that my retirement savings has gone I mean, down. I want to read a quote here uh, that I read on Twitter yesterday. It says, the real economic risk if things go wrong, White House doesn't have a plan and doesn't have any competent personnel to come up with one. Trump's economic brain trust consists of a guy who plays an economist on TV, a nutcase the entire real economic profession has disowned, and the producer of Lego Batman. Who wrote that? Um, I did. Just to put a finer point on the politics of all this, because obviously we are now heading into the election season. The president has been underwater for his entire presidency in terms of job approval. The one area where he's been above is the economy. People have given him credit for the economy. And if that if the economy goes south, he is in a world of hurt. And to your point, just yeah. very quickly, we had one of our panels of Trump supporters on. These were swing voters mm-hmm. in Michigan who had become big fans of the president. They had voted for Obama and then voted for Donald Trump and become big fans because of the economy. So I just want to take one little trip down memory lane to a month or two ago with what they said could ever turn them, turn their ardent support. Going to read it? I'll do dramatic a dramatic reading. I'll, 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 I'll do a dramatic reading. Allison Camerata asks, is there anything... Are you playing Allison? You want to play Allison? No, you play Allison. <laughs> All right. Allison asks, is there anything that he could do that would lose you? And Daryl, his most ardent supporter, says, start losing money. Mm. And then the other ardent supporter says, the economy crashing. And then they say the economy start going backwards. If that happens, um, we, we're done. Uh, he was able to convince the public that what was actually luck was, in fact, skill. And now that his luck is turning partly because of his own actions, you know, he could lose a lot of those supporters. I, and the markets are panicked. And so I think we're going to see this sort of trend line going down, maybe a few relief rallies like we've seen this week, but um, not looking good for 2020, which I think is going to hurt his the market just to be clear. I think you're going to see a lot of big crashes. Once the <laughs> psychology of the market really cottons on to the fact that this president isn't going to make a deal with China, things are as bad as we think, then you're going to see big crashes. And so they're also interesting among the Republican support in Congress. One of the things that I've often thought is when will Republicans in Congress stand up to the president on some of the offensive things he says? When the economy turns that, out, yeah. maybe the one that thing that gets their attention. Yeah. Do you like paper straws or plastic straws? I don't mind paper straws, I but I prefer the biodegradable plastic ones. I get frustrated. I'm putting my turmeric ginger latte and it kind of like <laughs> deforms a little bit. Listen, this is this is first world conversation right plastic. here. Uh, clearly, we're not going to give the best. Are you, the just, are you gets, calling me an elite? I'm not calling you a liberal elite. I'm simply <laughs> Oh, saying. and then he added some, he added some steak on it. You added some steak. I, I, it was a turmeric. I'm going to Davis. I'm going to get Davis. The mayor was a little ratchet there. Yes, Right. You guys got to watch Andrew Sanders. I, I think Davis gave you the opportunity. Yeah, if you'd I, like I, to weigh I, in. I, this is, this is going to blow up Twitter. I am but not. But isn't he, a, he supports plastic straws. I, 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 I think you're in alignment my, with the president. Go I for am. it. I, I mean, can't I, wait. I want to say I'm that I, I think, I mean, I just don't, I don't like paper straws. That's my preference. It has a hard. Tweet him. Tweet him. Let me say this. I recycle just for everybody watching. Everybody get Bakari. No, please God don't. But I just, I buy biodegradable Plastic straws in your latte. That's what I'm going to start moving towards. I'm a tree hugger. I'm a tree hugger. Yeah, they, they kind of get soft. But you know what? And they taste the at the end of, of the day, no. at the end of the day, we have mm-hmm. we have holes in our ozone. 
Okay. That's At the end of the day, we're seeing more severe storms. It's snowing. We also in have our, holes in our democracy. And, and, and what's happening in Antarctica, you know, the, the ice caps and are, are melting. The bottom line is, you know, when we go to the beaches, you know, we were just, I was just at the beach last week. My children were like, no, we cannot leave our plastic bottles on the I beach. Agree with that. Yeah, you, you know, we have got to take care of our planet. And but I don't care if it's Democrat or Republican. I'm not going to use the plastic straw anymore. I use a paper straw or a metal straw. Or, or, I, I just bamboo. Or bamboo. Bamboo. Is bamboo. Than the, yeah. oh, bamboo. Yes, That's bamboo. A That's a good for your latte. We have sufficiently scraped the bottom of the straw issue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> As a senior elected official at the table, <laughs> Mayor Gillum, no, you haven't even taken a position. If you <laughs> run again, you better be Take careful on this. I want to hear. I love the environment. That's it. Good. There you go. Sign and off. Oh, you should have brought up red tie. Yeah, that was a good moment. I mean, the, the, this is where Bakari's a Republican. Bakari says he likes plastic straws. I just no. That's not what I said. That is what you said. <laughs> please please backing up. Now you're please backing up. Now you're backing up. What I said was that paper. Paper was not my preference. Yes. However, that's cute. We should run the tape back. Let's run that the tape back. I, I, think, I, I think this is the president. Bakari is, that sounds right. That sounds this right. This straw is the precise color of the right. president's skin. Our media is a communication arm for a violent political party in America, and it's not the Republicans, folks. Molly Hemingway will send us out before going to our hate tweets over how bad this week the last few weeks with these gun shootings and the conduct of the media has been and we'll go straight in to hate tweets. Molly, there is no longer any pretense of a debate. Journalists, anchors, commentators now routinely and constantly say, as we just heard, President Trump's a racist, President Trump's a white supremacist, and then make the leap into charging that he is condoning and citing that he's directly responsible for mass violence. Yeah, it was really horrible what we saw this week. We had two horrible mass shootings, and we had uh, people in the media kind of absolve both of these shooters of their crimes in order to blame President Trump and his voters for mass murder. This is completely beyond journalistic responsibility and a real turning point for the worse in American discourse. Well, often people who do crazy things uh, are fans or followers of politicians. But let me go to the president's uh, trip to El Paso and uh, to Dayton, uh, because the press really trashed it. And Molly, the uh, New York Times headline was, his lead story, Trump uses day of healing to deepen the nation's division. A day intended to show compassion, devolved into anger-fueled broadsides at Democrats and the media. As if all the partisanship in this matter comes only from Donald Trump. Right. It's an amazing game that's being played. So you have days of blaming Donald Trump for mass murder and his supporters for mass murder. And then when he responds to any of these things, well, then he's acting unpresidential. And it is it is not OK to not hold people accountable for for being on one side going against Trump, but then hold Trump accountable for responding to it those. Tweet of the day! President Trump's preoccupation with his predecessor, former President Barack Obama, is on display in everything from his tweets to his TV appearances to his rollback of Obama-era policies. But if you think 44 is on Trump's mind now, that is nothing compared to what supporters of a new petition have planned. They want to rename that stretch of Fifth Avenue right here in Manhattan that is home to Trump Tower as President Bar Barack H. Obama Avenue. Yes, the petition, which was launched on MoveOn.org last October, is now closing in on its goal of 300,000 signatures. And the woman behind this petition, Elizabeth uh, Rowan, joins me now. Elizabeth, Hi. thank you for coming by. Sure. 
so really you started this, you thought it, you, you thought it would be funny or a joke yes. at first? <laughs> yes. Tell I, me. I saw a tweet and I thought it was hilarious and I thought why not make it a petition and just see if we could honestly troll the troll king. And 295,000 signatures later, yeah. what say you? It seems that a lot of people, I think there's a lot of depressing news right now, and it's a way for people to feel a co kind of collective strength that we can poke the giant in the eye. Did you ever think so many people would jump on in this? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, so not to be the, this, this, is, this is the deal, you know the rules. So New York City laws say that streets can only be renamed in Manhattan if a person has been dead for two years. So this is part of what Keith Powers, the city councilman who represents the district encompassing Trump Tower, has said in a statement, quote, President Obama embodies the best of our political system and leaves a remarkable legacy. The classiest president of our time deserves better than being honored next to the home of Donald Trump. Your response to that? Of course, I understand. But, you know, uh, Los Angeles has named two streets after Obama so far. And I don't, I think the rule about the person has to be you deceased can make is... make ex some exceptions, exactly, what I read. Exactly, it's arbitrary. And honestly, the point is that it's to irk Trump and to cause him, you know, to, to bother him because he because he dislikes Obama so much and has done so much to, to ruin Obama's legacy. So why not kick him in the shin a little? Well... This is what some New Yorkers have to say about your idea. Roll it from Jeannie Moose. That's ridiculous. It'll never happen, but I love it. I would do that. I would never change. We have differences in our family. Well, I think they want to stick it to the guy who... I agree. Then, then get out and vote. <laughs> get out and vote, she says. I definitely agree with that. Yeah, well, 2020 will be all about overthrowing Trump and the GOP, you know complicit congress any response from the mayor have you reached out to anyone i emailed him but i didn't hear back from his office any tweets from trump <laughs> not yet not but i'm counting on him yet elizabeth keep us posted thank you very much thank you appreciate so much. it that was cnn jacking off to dems wanting to rename a road to obama more on that in our well no that i have a similar road story in a college crazy you won't fucking believe it it's just insane but this was a petition that started by moveon.org which is financed by george soros but of course you can't say that because then you're anti-semitic because you can talk about Koch brothers all you want but you can't talk about the democrats steyer and soros because if you're doing that you're wrong but he finances that well, who wants to tell Trump it's over 200,000 signatures? They want to do it right in front of Trump Tower and call it Barack Obama Road. Um, Patricia Arquette, Bette Midler, mm-hmm. You're a child. You're just a bunch of children. It's fucking pathetic. Vogue magazine, can Stacey Abrams save America? A Twitterer, she can't even accept America. How could she save it? CWP Chicago. Looks like Jesse Smollett's colleagues are giving Chicago a big fat troll this morning. Empire on Fox is currently filming on the scene of its fake hate crime attack. Photo via follower. And boys and girls, remember, nothing happened to him. He faked a hate crime. But because he faked it against white people, and the media likes it, and because Democrats run fucking Chicago, nothing happened to him. Then you have this knucklehead. Uh, Ashley Barnhill's comedian and actress, men against abortion are just jealous. They'll never know how good it feels to kill a baby. 
followed by Lawrence Tribe. White supremacists oppose abortion because they feel it will reduce the number of white infants and thus contribute to what they fear as non-white replacement. Never underestimate the way these issues and agendas are linked. This turns intersectionality on its head. The problem with that is 40% of all abortions by Planned Parenthood are people of color. So actually more people of color are being killed statistically than white people by your liberal abortion clinic. These are all quick hits today. So Sarah Silverman fired from a new movie from a blackface photo. I just think that's fucking irony that you wouldn't believe. I mean, just that is irony. Folks, come on. Ivan Petechikov, something else the media ignored. ignored. The metadata in Hillary Clinton's emails contain a Gmail address with the name of a Chinese company, Carter Heavy Industry. According to documents released by the Senate committee yesterday, Jeanette McMillan, an attorney for the intelligence community, Inspector General, told Congress that this email with the name of a Chinese company appeared to serve as a live dropbox for all Clinton's emails. McMillan told Congress that the Carter Heavy Industry email address is the Clinton email metadata was set up to receive a copy of every email sent and received as they were sent, even if the intended addresses was different. Let that sink in. Sorry, drinking a smoothie. A Chinese company monitored state secrets. That's not a story right now. If she was a Republican, would it be a story? If it was Mitt Romney, this would be national news. And Mitt Romney would go to jail. John Brennan showing once again nobody in the Obama administration was objective. The stain of Donald Trump leaves on our nation's soul should be constant reminder that we cannot assume candidates for public office after competence, integrity, and decency America deserves. In 2020, we need to elect someone to safeguard and strengthen democracy, not to trample it. Subthread, vote Democrat. But I was objective. U.S. fencer kneels during anthem, trashes trashes America at Pan Am Games in Peru. Not reading it. Just wanted to do the headline. Piece of shit. Artist paints giant mural of Statue of Liberty handcuffed by ice. The artist Isaac Zevakling, who also calls himself Recycled Propaganda, posted pictures of his artwork on July 29th. My purpose of doing what I did with the Statue of Liberty is to try to draw analogies with America's past and how it was founded and how it was largely built by immigrants to really make an analogy out of that so that people can apply that to the contemporary society and contemporary issue a little bit more. I want people just to think about the issue really wherever that leads you to think. Whatever the conversation with someone else leads you. I think it really needs to be discussed more in human terms. What the fuck is wrong with progressives in that goddamn poem? While that was going on, undocumented immigrant Maryland rapes friend's 11-year-old sister on separate occasion. Two undocumented immigrants are accused of raping an 11-year-old girl on different occasions. The common denominator being a friendship with the victim's older brother. Montgomery County Police have arrested Mauricio Berev Navida of Damascus and Carlos Palacios Amaya of Gathersburg, and they've all been put on final order of removal and came back in the country. Then we got our media. Does Robert's Frost mending wall also carry the weight of federal law? i got to ask you this, because this was a press briefing, and once again, another reporter 
other than Jim Acosta, brought out that fucking poem that we're supposed to put federal law to. California, the state with the largest population of immigrants, filed a federal lawsuit Friday, hoping to derail the Trump administration's attempt to deny green cards and visa extensions to foreign nationals uh, who use Medicaid, food stamps, or other public assistance. In reference back to that soundbite we played from uh, Ken Cuccinelli uh, and the defense that he has made that this was on the books through the public charge law. What do you make of the administration's attempt to try and deny those who are in this country legally a path forward to citizenship and even staying here uh, if they're relying on government assistance. Uh, Eamon, let's call it what it is. These are not good faith immigration policies that are being done to tackle an issue of national concern or crises. This is a white supremacist domestic terror campaign that is targeting people of color in the United States under the name of the United States government where the casualties are now children and families. And I understand people's concerns, especially for nuns, but the public charge rule has been around since 1882. It's been statutorily completely unchanged since 1996. The idea has been for well over 100 years that we don't want folks to come here if they're completely suffi- or, uh, reliant on government assistance. So I guess my but question... That's, but that's, that's where it gets confusing to people, right. and I think it's a very easy way to say public charge means you're entirely dependent on government. When you look at, say, income inequality, and you know that the Walmart family is making $4 million an hour but Walmart associates are making $11 an hour. That is working poor. Those might be people who have children who are U.S. citizens who need that extra hand up to get by. Now so it's the right. demonization of people who are poor who are working okay, and assuming that they're public just, I want to give Danny a chance to finish his thought. Go ahead. Now you're, I totally respect what you're saying, but the public charge rule is not about targeting the poor. It's about focusing on self-sufficiency. One can be poor and self-sufficient. So I guess my question to you, Naira, is what about this change to the public charge rule makes it improper now, whereas all those hundreds of years before when we had the public charge rule under both Democratic and Republican administrations, it was acceptable? It's all about interpretation, right? Like, you, you're a lawyer, I've worked in government, and administrative law ends up being heavily based on discretion. Uh, the, the second question has to do with the fact that as long as the public charge rule has been in effect since the late 1800s, there have also been almost as long the words at the base of the Statue of Liberty that read, give us your tired, your poor. You were implementing a public charge rule for the first time. Is that sentiment, give us your tired, your poor, still operative in the United States, or should those words come down? Should the plaque come down off the Statue of Liberty? Well, I, I'm certainly uh, not prepared to take anything down off the Statue of Liberty. Um, we, we, uh, we have a, a long history of being one of the most welcoming nations in the world on a lot of bases, whether you be an asylee, whether you be coming here to join your family, or immigrating yourself. This rule will cover, for USCIS, almost 400,000 people a year um, whose applications to become legal permanent residents will include uh, a meaningful analysis of whether they're likely to become a public charge or not. I do not think by any means we're ready to take anything off the statute of liberty. The media just are activists, man. Once again, we are a melting pot. That's what we used to be. You legally immigrated, then you became part of the society. What Democrats and progressives have done, you illegally immigrate, and then you start your own fucking version of your last country, a la Omar's district, a la parts of Miami that you would never know are America, man. It's like Cuba. Nobody spoke English. 
Tweets of the day. Virtually no one in Ocasio-Cortez district has donated to her re-election campaign. <laughs> Talib is the same thing. They're on the bottom. Nobody in their own fucking districts want them wahoos. Elizabeth Warren, strawberries are in season and my grandson is in town. That means strawberry shortcake, which turn into meme. Just so many memes. I can't explain them. Warren for America. The whole United States is a strawberry. Naval Station, Guantanamo Bay, Commissary. Strawberries. It's so funny. And then the Soviet stuff. Soviet posters. Pow, pow, chow. Uh, Big time Soviet pictures with her holding fucking huge pieces of strawberry shortcake. Our last one before a soundbite. And then, oh no, I'm sorry. We got two more. Two more. First one, Hannity still dominates cable news over MSNBC and CNN. The ratings are going, I mean, CNN is so far off, it's not even funny. Had to cover it. And then this, once again, super lib, pushes all their shit, pushes every cause, wears his fucking Hillary Clinton vote fucking dresses. Katy Perry accused of sexually harassing TV presenter Tina Kadeka. Remember, this is the second one she's been accused of. Katy Perry's being hit again with a sexual harassment allegation. First time as a guy, this is a girl. Russian television presenter Tina Kadiki alleged that never really over singer drunkenly attempted to kiss her, according to a report published Friday. Once I was invited to private party, Katy Perry, where she being pretty tipsy, chose me as an object for manifestation of her passion. Kadiki said about the encounter, according to Russian outlet Star Hit. I managed to fight back. Strength training was not in vain, and Katie instantly found a new victim for kisses, hugs, and dirty dances. As far as I can tell, there are no casualties of the party, but I won't be surprised at the stream of memories of unhappy fans who for years carried this inside them, and now they suddenly remember the scolded dignity. Consequences of sound. Liberal woman. I just say this now because our culture is set on approving men of power or perverse. But females of power are just as disgusting. She already sexually harassed John Klosh. Josh Klosh. So, there you go. Our tweet of the day sound, which will take us to a music break and news and social media nuggets, is Camilla Harris talking to a retirement home. And the old lady says what all of us say to every Democrat, don't touch my fucking health care. Can I ask you a question? Yes, of course. I understand that you are advocating health care for everyone. Yes, ma'am. Well, we're going to pay for it because right now, let me tell you something, we're all paying for health care for everyone, and it's in an emergency room. You've got health care system alone. Okay. Okay, I don't intend to mess you mess here. Okay, well, I want to make sure your health care is the way you like it, so I'll promise you that, okay? I won't, I won't mess with the health care that you have. Are you a Medicare? Okay, well, it was nice to visit with you. Thank you for the time. Okay, take care, guys.
Back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. It's why they call me Bad Company, but I can deny Bad Company till the day I die. Trying to get crazy with this scene. Don't you know I'm local? Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. This is a 
really long one today because all the sound bites of Portland and some of the media stuff. So I had a sound bite for the Kill uh, team. Hollywood doesn't do a lot of movies positive about the military. And this one's a negative one about a civilian involved killing. <clears throat> so I edited it out. Um, I'll do a review when it comes. Marine use armored vehicle to defend. I'm sorry, military corner. Always military corner starts off our news and social media nuggets. Marine use armored vehicle to defend Navy ship from small boats off Iranian coast. Pretty interesting. They use the uh, LAVs to go out there and fucking block the ships. Pretty smart. Marine Corps to increase JT, JLTV by to 15,000 to replace the Humvee. That's the new vehicle that has been developed. It's up armored. Um, they're going to replace all 15,000 of their Humvees. <clears throat> a first in Afghanistan, infantry used the mini drones during the patrol, 82nd Airborne, uh, 3rd Brigade. They use those mini ones we talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, 10th Mountain will be doing it also. So, pretty cool. Navy putting physical throttle on destroyer after touchscreen system contributed to deadly crash. The USS John McCain collided with the oil tanker, and it's because it had a touchscreen that froze. So now they're going to put a real throttle. And that kind of seems like a smart idea. I know we want to automate everything, but even on my car, which is completely run, uh, my Chrysler 300S is completely run by the computer. I would not want to use just the computer for everything. I just think it would be stupid. A-10 re-winging completed. These birds will stay in the air till 2030. Yay! Understand those that uh, don't know much about the show. I've talked about it numerous times. I have two A-10s. One on my light, one on my uh, doggone uh, podcast mic. Uh, Freaking Yeti. Blue Yeti. That uh, literally are on top all the time. It's my favorite aircraft. On the desk is Apaches, Hueys, uh, Blackhawks, and Chinooks that I build because I'm kind of a geek on the models. I love building models. Um, so I have military <laughs> aircraft. Snubbed by SEALs, a Delta Force operator on working with the SEAL Team 6. And it's an interesting story. You have to be subscribed to do it. I didn't subscribe, but I read about this. And SEAL Team 6 is a bunch of dickheads. Don't, don't get confused by, you know, Boreanaz and the SEAL Team show. They're, they're pretty arrogant fucks. Here are the jungle combat boots that emerged from the Army testing. Army and the Air Force Exchange Service military boot sales stores are selling two models labeled Jungle Boot Combat JCB, the 901V2 made by Belleville, and the RKC-071 Rocky Boots, according to Athes. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. They're kind of like the Vietnam War style, but they're still the tan shit, and they're expensive as fuck. 180 to 120 for the or 180 to 210 bucks for a pair of fucking boots. Jesus Christ. Mm. I usually don't cover PC bullshit in my military corner other than to mock it, but this story was super fucking cute. Missing in action. Classic Green Army men still have no women figurines and a six-year-old's not having it. Young Vivian Lord of Arkansas recently acquired a set of instantly recognizable plastic Green Army men figures, iconic toys the six-year-old had been pining for weeks. 
Excited, the little girl from Little Rock shifted through the combat-ready green men, each figure contorted in one of the array of well-known fighting positions, but she couldn't find what she was looking for. None of the figures looked like her. Unsatisfied, Vivian decided to take it up directly with the various toy makers, penning letters to three different companies in an effort to add a little enlightenment to some antiquated business practices. After opening her letter with a quick statement about her budding soccer career, Vivian gets right to the point, calling to the attention of toy makers the scarcity of women figurines as well as the poorly received pink, still all men, versions some companies produce. Why do you not make girl army men? Some girls don't like pink, so please, can you make an army girl that looks like women? Jeff Immel of BMC Toys was one of the recipients of Vivian's letter and wasted little time responding, notifying the disgruntled customer that he had been kicking around the idea of manufacturing green women figures for years. With enough support, it can happen, Immel said. I promise to conduct some research and discover... There might be enough folks looking for little green army women to consider producing some, Immel said in a BMC Toys blog. Enough interest has been garnered in recent years for Immel and a crew to drop concept art for the reduction process. The sketches are first impressions of what we think customers would like based upon a few requests, some quick research, and a bit of gut instinct. Immel said of the concept crafted by artist Tina Immel. Immel added the green plastic armor women would come in the same poses made famous by their male counterparts in order to fit in with the wide variety of plastic figures that are already in several generations of toy boxes. Subsequent steps in the realization process will include even more detailed concept art of the figurines, the commissioning of a sculptor, and crowdfunding campaign to get these soldiers deployed sooner rather than later. Immel even flowed the idea of more contemporary sets that could be released featuring both men and women figurines and modernized gear. The project may need more endorsement before it becomes reality, Immel admitted, but BMC Toys is at least one guaranteed supporter who will sure to share with her with her acquaintances. I would play with them every day, and my friends would too, Vivian wrote. Supporters of soccer phenom and equal rights activist Vivian Lord and the effort to finally modify a generation's old toy set can pledge their support here. I gave 20 bucks. I think it's cute as shit. Why shouldn't girls have little fucking army men? They should be co-ed. It's fine. It would be cute as shit. I'd buy a set. So good for her. That's the first PC bullshit that I've gotten in. Other than the fat shaming. I'm down with that new cause. You know, it shouldn't be body shaming because I'm fat. Non-deployability rate. Drop an Air Force without kicking anyone out. I call total bullshit in this argument. 4.4% 4.4% of the airmen in the Ar- the Air Force have not deployed. My son-in-law is one of them. Been in 10 years. Weaseled out of every goddamn deployment. <clears throat> Marines. Army. Kicking motherfuckers out. Air Force. Bullshit and through it as usual. Army announces winter deployments for Afghanistan and Europe. The Army has announced upcoming deployments for Afghanistan. 3rd Security Force Assistant Brigade out of Fort Hood, Texas, and the 10th Mountain Division Combat Aviation Brigade out of Fort Drum, the 3rd Infantry Division Combat Aviation Brigade from Fort Stewart, and the 2nd Brigade Combat Team, 1st Cavalry Division at Fort Hood, will be rotated to Europe. Afghanistan, the 3rd SFAB, will replace the 2nd SFAB as part of a regular rotation of force in support of Operation Freedom Sentinel, the mission in Afghanistan that began in 2015. The 3rd SFAB is scheduled to conduct a unit validation exercise at Fort Polk. Oh, it sucks. It's terrible. 
And it looks like uh, same units will be going. So Godspeed with you and your family. This is a sad story. Gold Star families hit with surprise tax hikes are still waiting for help. It's nearly eight months until federal income taxes are due on Gold Star wife Jessica Bradley Rogers is already worried about filing her returns. If we don't see something happen, we're screwed. Next year, my son is supposed to be getting braces, but we will, we could still owe thousands extra in taxes next year until something's fixed. Braden Rogers, whose husband, Army Captain Michael Braden, died while deployed in Afghanistan in 2012, was one of the vocal group of military widows who lobbied Congress last spring on the so-called kitty tax, which applies to certain minors with unearned income. Under the tax code overhaul signed into law in 2017, the money is now taxed at a rate as high as 37%, which leads to surprise tax hikes for a host of Gold Star families. Since Braden Rogers' nine-year-old son James receives his father's death benefits, the taxes on that income jumped from 1100 in 2018 to 4500 this spring. She said other families she has spoken with seen their bills triple or quadruple to more than 10000 And I'm telling you, they need to fix that shit. That shit should be tax-fucking-free. You died. You or you lost a loved one. It shouldn't be taxed like that. I hope somebody in Congress unfucks that. I had this great soundbite, but I'm going to have to describe it because it doesn't really come with it. And I was watching Jag. Don't judge me. I like watching Jag. And one of the episodes, they land a C-130 on an aircraft carrier. And it's Harmon Rab flying the C-130. He's now in the CIA. Muddy plot, but... At the end of the day, I thought it was bullshit, and then they show on the end that it's not bullshit. And it's really interesting. For a time, instead of using the COD to resupply naval ships, they tried C-130s, and they specially retrofitted the front landing gear. That was it. And they could land that motherfucker in 200 feet by reverse thrusting when they hit the ramp. And then they could take off with only two-thirds of the runway. So... It was a real thing. These pilots, a lieutenant and somebody else, and I don't remember their fucking names, did it in 1963. 21 touch and goes and 21 landing without a tail hook. They had no tail hook. Um, so kind of like the Doolittle Raider, there's a lot of little interesting avionics or aviation history we don't know about because there wasn't an internet at the time. So we're going to go into our college crazy. We're going to start with a soundbite. This was the other one I talked about. Students signed petition to remove oppressive white stick figures from crosswalk signs. We were told by the symbol of white man when it's okay to cross the street. Proving you're never woke enough and fucking everything is racist. I'm Ethan Kai with Campus Reform, and today we're at George Washington University. That is a white man. Will students sign a fake petition to change it in the name of diversity and inclusion? Let's find out. Would you be willing to sign a petition for me? The crosswalk signs, we're trying to petition to have them changed. Some students on campus have been offended by them because it's just a picture of a white man. We're proposing that we could change them to be more representative of an inclusive environment. That's so cute! Oh my god, yeah! That's awesome. Is this something you've thought about before? No, like I never thought about it, but like I can see, like I guess, like 
by some students who have a problem yes. with it. Okay, yeah, that's cool. I'll totally sign that. We proposed like oh, these other so things lit. so it could be more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we just didn't want to offend anyone, you know. Yeah, no, that's cool. So is this something you guys can get on board with? Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. Right. You guys sign for me. Yeah. I assume it's like one of many one of many ways in which the default is imagined to be a white man. Um, this isn't probably the, the most important one to me, but I totally get that it would be important to other people. But we're trying to be, you know, yeah, we're trying to be pioneers. Well, that's a good yeah. idea. Thank you so much. Okay, you're welcome. I haven't really thought of it as a white guy. I've just thought of it as the lightest white. I mean, now that I've thought about it, I haven't ever thought about it, but it's just one of those things that... It's definitely a lack of representation. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Is this something you've thought about before? Uh, yeah. I think it's a good idea. The only problem is if you're doing such a variety, there might be just a lot of money involved. How do you think like students who like are offended by this would feel? Probably more validated. Yeah. Like of course I'll stop and this is super cool. It's kinda simple, you know. Just a guy walking across the street, but if it can help other people out, then why not, you know? Thank you so much. Have a good day. And oh Christ. Alright, honestly I'm ideologically opposed. Okay. No worries. Have a good day. Oh, well hello there. I'm Kappa Phillips with Campus Reform. Thanks so much for watching. If you want to join our team, we're always looking for new investigators, correspondents, and tipsters. Click right here to learn more about that. If you want to donate to help us make more videos like the one you just saw, click that button there. And if you want to be among the first person to see all of our new content, click that subscribe button right over there. Thanks so much. Hey, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear you click anything. Um, did they click one yet? Sweet Jesus. So, stick figures are now racist. So, what do the deer feel about the deer crossing? Because that looks more like a reindeer than a real deer, so maybe they feel misrepresented. It's called, it's species appropriation. That's exactly what it is. MSU suggests employees avoid saying, I apologize, no problem, sir and ma'am. Okay. Inform student employees to refrain from using terms like, I apologize, no problem, addressing customers with gender-specific sir and ma'am, and a mandatory August training. MSU Service Center employees witnessed an hour-long inclusive and cultural sensitivity service to residents and guests. Presentations during this mandatory fall training covering everything from identity wheels and utilizing pronouns. Uh, manager Sheena Bailey claimed during her presentation about saying no problem could be a trigger. Raise your hand if you ever said no problem, Bailey told her employees. Do you ever think that could be a trigger? I say this all the time and never thought that this could be a trigger word. But if I'm saying no problem, that's leading a customer to believe that there could be a problem or there could be an inconvenience to you and we're just assuring them that there's not. I don't know. And you should have done this. We're also examples of triggers. I'm just going to read the slides. It's our policy. Here's what we can do. I apologize. I'm truly sorry. I don't know. I find out I can get back to you. But, and, you should have what, what others have found helpful. The only thing we can do, the best option would be, no problem. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. Misgendering customers. Hello, my name is, what is your name? And it goes on. Here's the rest of the fucking stupid-ass slides. The identity wheel. Uh, we are all Spartans. I can 
cover my body and still be a feminist. Muslims and trans. Oh, Jesus freaking Christ. Berkeley female professors wear beards to protest alleged gender bias. Yeah. Female paleontologists, including some from University of California, Berkeley, were wearing fake beards to highlight alleged gender bias in their field. Photos of the faux beard fossil scientists are now on display at Lawrence Hall of Science at U.S. Berkeley. The Bearded Lady Project tries to show us that you don't have to be a man to love fieldwork and contribute to science, according to UC Berkeley. This project is started by Ellen, Ellen Curano, a University of Wyoming paleontologist and professor, and originally aimed to be challenging the face of science. With some well-placed facial hair, female scientists can be seen as equally rugged, tough, and determined. So now, beards are fucking sexist. The purpose of the project is to celebrate the inspirational and adventurous women who chose to dedicate their lives in search of clues to this history of life on Earth. You're all a bunch of fucking moon bats. Shut the fuck up. Next one. New York University promotes paper comparing cow insemination to rape, milking cows to sexual abuse. What the fuck? fuck is wrong with these people? Being promoted by New York University calls on society consider the rampant sexual exploitation of dairy cows by the milk industry in order to fully fight gendered oppression. Specifically, the author compares cattle insemination to rape and milking cows to sexual abuse. It's titled, Renting the Rape Rack. Feminism and Exploitation of Non-Human Reproductive Systems. The paper was published by Friday Friday in a journal called Dissenting Voices, which is published and edited by the Women and Gender Studies Program at the College of Brockport State University of New York. The published piece aims at discussing the sexual exploitation of non-human bodies, specifically dairy cows. The author notes that as a vegan and animal rights activist, there it is, she feels compelled to reveal the feminist aspects of animal agriculture. The topic, she says, is unfortunately under-researched. Okay, but it nonetheless important because the same way women's health has been at stake for years, a dairy cow's reproductive system has been poked and prodded. According to the publication, the dairy industry is a host for sex-based discrimination and site where sexual assault and objectification based on biological makeup are highly prevalent but ignored as we choose to neglect non-humans whom we share the planet. I have never sexually... I've never sexually objectified a fucking cow. It's a fucking cow. If you're looking at a cow and going, yeah, look at the titties on that, you've got some serious fucking problem, or you haven't left Iowa lately. Seriously. The paper argues that in order to fully fight gender depression, society must also address the plight of dairy cows, which it asserts are still subject to sex-based discrimination and violence. Not always lifted or comprehensible, the piece begins by first attacking the widely contested notion that cow's milk is even at all beneficial for humans, pointing to the government-funded Got Milk campaign, because that's racist. Remember, milk's racist. We learned that on the show, too. Uh, Mackenzie April, an intern for Brockport's Women's Studies Department, goes further than the assertion that milk is bad for humans by claiming that the practice of dairy farming also supports and exemplifies the degrading way in which we treat female bodies and reproductive health, adding that she hopes that the publication will inspire feminists and other social justice-minded 
fucking moon bats to incorporate non-human bodies into their own feminist perspectives. If we're going to argue fairly for the rights of all beings in the world soured with sex and gender-based oppression, then dairy cows deserve to be taken into account when discussing issues of reproductive women's health. Oh, God, don't even get started on cow abortions. I mean, they're everywhere. April, who then compared barren female cattle to human women who choose not to have children, writes, If women do not choose to become mothers, they are shamed. If a female cow is incapable of successful bearing a calf, they are sent away for slaughter. The reproductive system is useless. Therefore, they are being, they as a being are useless. April notes, arguing that an indicative of the double standard of civilized society would cringe at the thought of murdering women once they become fertile. Well, you got handmaids. You guys say that shit's real. The outdated stereotype about women being caretakers and most importantly child bearers remains constant in the dairy industry, especially when we take into account the means through which animals are exploited. Hey, April, male cows don't make milk. I know you think that they're non-gendered, but they don't make milk. You can jerk on that thing that looks like the titties in the middle, but you're not going to get milk out of it. That was crude, but it was funny. I'm not reading anymore. Flowchart tells non-minority students they can be taken up space. Hey, you're white. You're taking up space. Get lost. Uh, University of South Dakota encourages non-minoritized voices to consider whether or not they are taking up space when they contribute to a discussion. This comes just week after South Dakota Board of Regents announced an investigation of the existence of liberal bias. Oh, maybe we have a problem, Batman. I don't know. The presentation slides obtained by campus reform through a Freedom of Information Act request indicate that they are using during the USD Law School orientation in 2018. Within the various slides, a flowchart that asks students to assess whether or not they're taking up spaces or contributing to space. One slide uses a flowchart to guide students through answering the questions by assessing whether or not they are deferred to minoritized voices during discussion. Students are encouraged to first ask themselves, other comments will be representing a relevant minoritized identity. As they make their way through the chart, it continues to encourage them to defer to minoritized voices in cases where such voices are present in the conversation. And ask themselves questions such as whether their involvement in the conversation works to prevent the exploitation of relevant identities. Near its conclusion, the chart asks if there's something you're uniquely capable of offering that will help the goals of the space. But even students who can safely answer yes to the question are then told to shut their fucking yappers. Mm-hmm. I got an example of this. I had it in my lighter fare, but this was an MSNBC planet panel on white, um, white fucking privilege. And one of these guys just said, well, you told me I don't have an opinion. So let's play it now. Racist. If you look at the impact of their policies and the groups uh, that uh, years ago were, were advocating for these policies, uh, you, you see their roots in prejudice and racism, and, and, and you see why yeah. so many uh, people of color are concerned about Yeah, you them. brought up a really good point, and to that I want to go to Jason on this for a moment, because uh, you were talking about whether it's fair or effective. I can assure you that the president has used the word racism in very unfair ways to try to be effective in trying to mobilize his base. Here are some of the people that he has called racist. He has called Elijah Cummings racist. He has called the squad racist. He has called Senator Elizabeth Warren a racist. He has called President Barack Obama a racist. Hollywood, 
he called racist. African nations, he called racist. Uh, the 2017 protests in Charlottesville, the violent protesters there, and David Duke. Uh, so going to your point, Jason, about fair versus effective, the president has weaponized the word racism. He calls Democrats socialists all the time. Why doesn't the same thing apply to him that you brought up earlier? It does, but let's be very clear. It didn't start with Donald Trump. Uh, I, I recall it being argued that Mitt Romney was a racist. I recall it being argued that George W. Bush was a racist. This has gone on for a long time, and I maintain my point earlier, even though what was really laid out and made clear earlier in our conversation, was, and I, I, it was amazing, the honesty. Because I'm white, I'm not supposed to have an opinion on this, and I'm supposed to shut up. That's the ultimate goal here. But I maintain my opinion, it's not effective. We ought to talk about the actual policies. We ought to talk about actual actions. And the default, it seems, on the left is that if you agree with a policy, yes, that may disproportionately impact a community of color, that it's automatically racist. And that's just not so. And I'm just simply arguing in the marketplace of political discourse, it absolutely, and I didn't say that it doesn't, that I was worried about Democrats and Republicans. I'm talking about people in the middle, people we need to engage in this discourse. Even when we use labels like conservative, liberal, socialist, far right wing, all of these labels really cause people to put filters up and not listen. And I think it would be healthy for our overall discourse, particularly at this point in time, when we have historic levels of just polarization yeah. that would go to the heart of the issues and set some of the labels aside. Let's talk a little bit about the immigration debate, but I'll give you a chance Chris, to respond, Dean, because so that was Jason, a point. Jason, what word would you prefer instead of racist and bigoted, instead of white supremacists? Is there a word that you find more politically correct that you would like us to use to describe Donald Trump's racist, bigoted no things? Because that's what I, I want to know. Because you're And no one's saying you can't speak out because you're white. That's a, I'm saying you've got white privilege. God bless you. I used to have it before 9-11. I'm not a, I'm a minority. I, 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 I'm Arab. I, 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 would ar I would argue, you tell me my growing up in a trailer park in Northeast Texas, being the first person in my family to go to college, working two full-time jobs to put myself through college, and that's white privilege? Yes, because on site, people look at you and see a white man. And again, I want to stress the point Great. that nobody told you. Right, I, I understand that. Nobody told you yeah, that you, you have did. to be quiet. You did. You I, said I didn't, you don't, actually. You let me, let me have just an opinion on this matter. Yeah, let that me just correct what, what I said. said. Let me correct what you heard and, and correct what I said. Um, you, uh, are, I'm saying when, when people are saying that things are not racist and you are not on the receiving end of that, I don't believe it is your place to tell millions of people of color that something or someone is not racist when you are not on the end of it as have been many uh, communities of color across this country it does seem a bit out of pocket to me and the fact that when you say that when you point that out like maybe because you don't experience this you don't recognize it for what we do and the the reaction that people get even that is a level of privilege like how dare you say I can't weigh in on this well yeah kind of and it's it, kind of like somebody uh, it, it, like me having an opinion about something happening in your family I would be out of place on something like that so no one's telling you you can't have an opinion I'm saying it, your opinion could, uh, is uh, uh, uninformed. Uh, Jason, Just no voice. If I could break in, if I could break Hold in on, and speak Jason, for a you, minute. I will. One second, Eric. I just want to give Jason a chance to respond because this was kind of uh, going back and forth. So, Jason, if you wanted to say something specifically on the point that Tiffany raised, go ahead. Got nothing else to say. All right, Eric, you wanted to jump in into what this. I, what, 
What I would say is that um, I, I, people of color often have to deal with systemic racism and prejudice in all sorts of areas of life, from education uh, to employment. And uh, it's important, I think, to, to listen to those voices, because I believe that people of color are the canary in the coal mine for American society when it comes to racism and prejudice. We are affected by things first that eventually come to affect all of society. And I, and I think a, a better way to say this would be would not to say that the, the white people shouldn't be a part of this conversation sh or shouldn't have an opinion. You definitely should have an opinion. You, you definitely should be engaged in this conversation. But you should also pay heed to people who have dealt directly and personally with racism and prejudice personally because we have a perspective on it that is different and closer and more intimate. We thought about it more often perhaps than, than you have in the same way that a, that a woman might have more insights about sexism than a man might have. And it doesn't mean that a man can't be a part of the conversation. It does mean that women have a, have a more intimate knowledge of how that works in society. Your opinion is uninformed, which means you're not saying what I want you to say, so shut your fucking yapper, just like the flowchart. New University of Michigan tuition policy benefiting illegals violates intent of the law. Are you sure? Yeah, that's a whole story that they're just basically making it up, but that doesn't surprise me. Next thing, uh, we now know that stick men for crosswalks are racist. Milk is racist, and AI is racist. And I, I literally, whoever wrote this did not think it out. AI systems to detect hate speech could have disappropriate, disproportional, excuse me, negative impact on African Americans. So what you're saying is black people don't speak right? Isn't that racist? I don't know. Cornell University study revealed that some artificial intelligence systems created by universities to identify prejudice and hate speech online might be racially biased themselves as that their implementation could backfire, leading to over-policing of minority voices online. A new study out of Cornell revealed that machine learning practices behind AI... Sorry, I lost my place. Which are designed to flag offensive online content may actually discriminate against a group who are often the target of abuse we are trying to detect. According to Study Abstract, the study involved researchers training a system to flag tweets containing hate speech, as much the same way that the university is developing systems for eventual online use by using several databases of tweets, some of which have been flagged by human evaluators for offensive content. The results show evidence of systematic racial bias in all data sets as classifiers trained on them tend to predict that tweets written in African-American English are abusive at substantially substantially higher rates. If these abusive language detection systems are used in the field, they will therefore have a disproportionate negative impact on African Americans who run around the internet being fucking racist. That's what you're saying. A, they don't speak in the same English as your system set up because you're using Cornell English. It's not me being a racist, that's you being a racist. And secondly, every time I read something from a militant person, a progressive persuasion who actually has dark skin, they're racist as fuck. It's not the white guy being racist, it's them. So basically, now you're going to say, okay, we got to take out everything about white people. If you're talking about, about white people, good to go. If you're not talking about, about white people, oh, we got to stop that shit. 
Okay. North Carolina State Vice Chancellor steps down after tweeting tweets calling Republicans KKK and neo-Nazis. Mike Mullen has stepped down after North Carolina State College Republicans called for his immediate re- resignation because he called everybody who's a conservative a racist, his tweets. But now the GOP is the party of the NRA, neo-Nazis, the KKK, and all manners of alt-right causes. You have betrayed your history. Let's use executive order to nullify the second. Get guns off the streets, period. Heck, Lindsay, let's just throw the Constitution out and impose a dictatorship. Another one. Yet another indication of the lack of ethical value inherited in Trump supporters. She trusts a president who does not tell the truth. Wow. Hmm. He was in charge of a school. That's fantastic. Hmm. Leftist student group finds out the hard way that conservatives, what conservatives face all the time. Fordham University Students for Justice in Palestine chapter recently won its case against a private university, and although SJP is a leftist organization, the decision could stand to benefit conservative organizations in the future. Judge Nancy Bannon of the New York Supreme Court ruled in early August to annul the school's decision prohibiting the group from opening a chapter on campus. The Fordham Observer reported, Hey y'all, the unofficial SJP student group wrote on Instagram, Happy Tears Day and two and a half years waiting. The on-campus chapter had fought against the school since 2015 for a registered club to be anti-Semites. But all of a sudden we learned through this whole case that this is what all conservative groups do and now we're going to let them do it. So if all conservative groups are racist and they're clearly anti-Semites, well, then you got to let have the racists come in too, don't you folks? Oh, wait a minute. Not all groups are racist. Now, of course they're not racist, but that's what you say. GOP leader Kevin McCarthy sounds an alarm on blatantly, blatantly anti-Semitic California education curriculum. This shit's fucking scary what they're getting taught. BDS in the school. In the school. BDS. Then you have this one. Texas teacher blasts student who stand for Pledge of Allegiance. Then he's fired. You are all extremely lucky to live in the USA. Yeah. They fired him. Then this one cracks me the fuck up. We had a good bunch of fucking crazy stuff. This one's... It goes with the lead-in. Well, not the lead-in, but... The cow story. It's about cows. Liberals are very obsessed with cows right now. Cow farts cow milking, cow insemination, and burgers. University bans burgers to combat climate change. University of London goldsmiths blocked the sale of any beef products, increased taxes for water bottles and disposable cups, and installed solar panels across the campus as part of an initiative to decrease carbon emissions. According to BBC, some scientists, the article states, beef could damage the environment because cows produce methane gas. Their statement. The growing global call for organizations to take seriously the responsibilities for halting climate change is impossible to ignore. Declaring a climate emergency cannot be empty words. I truly believe we face a defining moment in global history and Goldsmith now stands shoulder to shoulder with other organizations willing to call the alarm and take urgent actions to cut carbon. Our house is on fire! Rawr! 12 years we're going to die! Which brings us to the teenage activist that, once again, the media is jerking off to, who said, why should I waste time talking to Trump? 
A teenager from Sweden called the Voice of the Planet is ready to cross the Atlantic on a mission to fight climate change. In this morning's Eye on Earth, we follow Greta Thunberg. She'll be sailing from Europe to New York to call on world leaders to protect the environment. All of these people are here to see Greta, a sign of just how much her message is resonating here in Sweden and across Europe. Now she's taking her message to the other side of the Atlantic. How would you rate the United States climate change efforts? Uh, not very high. Why not? Um, because, I mean, the emissions are still rising. The U.S. releases more carbon emissions than any country except for China. Greta wants all governments to cut emissions in line with the Paris Climate Accord, which President Trump has rejected. Would you meet with President Trump? Why should I waste time talking to him when he, of course, is not going to listen to me? She's speaking with a very loud voice. She's so wise beyond her years. Yeah. So poised. I heard her speak in Stockholm uh, this past summer, and the room was mesmerized yeah. by this little girl. Yeah, and heading here, this is the country to come to. We are a major contributor to global warming exactly. and a major denier of the science that the rest of the world yeah. is signed on on. She so. makes you think. A 16-year-old Swedish climate activist, much celebrated by the left, who's about to visit America and attend U.N. summits, said she wouldn't want to waste time talking to Trump regarding a meeting with POTUS. Thunberg stated, why should I waste time talking to him when he, of course, isn't going to listen to me? Because I'm 16. I know everything. Great. Thunberg has been championed by various members, including AOC, Omar. In April, speaking before the European Parliament, Thunberg told European politicians, I want you to panic. I want you to act as if the house is on fire. Oh, maybe that's where the college got it from. I have said those words before, and a lot of people have explained why that is a bad idea. A great number of politicians have told me that panic never leads to anything good, and I agree. To panic, unless you have to. It's a terrible idea. But when your house is on fire and you want to keep your house from burning the ground, and then that does require some level of panic. She warned, around the year 2030, 10 years, 259 days, and 10 hours away from now, we'll be in a position where we set off an irreversible chain of reaction, and we're going to die. She's got it down to the day. Somebody tweeted, no, the real question is why would he waste his time on a brainwashed team? This has nothing to fucking do with climate. This has everything to do with progressive brainwashing of children and shame on you. If you're training your kid that in 12 years the world's going to explode, what the fuck is wrong with you? Reuters. Norway's first electric plane crash lands in a lake and it's destroyed. So maybe that's not going to work. Sterling Morris is part of the fact that he's verified 1,000 followers because he's a liberal, so he can be. And that's we know from him, woke Twitter bio. He's a data feminist, a gun sense reform advocate, an LGBTQ EIEIO supporter, and a global citizen. We also know that he's going viral with his tweet for mega hats. Milano, a bunch of people retweeted it. If you're wear a mega cap in public, I will definitely say fuck Trump and fuck you. I'm done with racist, xenophobic, homophobic, misogynic, bigoted, hate mongers. This planet is on fire. We don't have time to deal with your shit. <laughs> That's how it got here. So now we've gone from the Green New Deal to, you know, in my lifetime, global cooling, warming, change, global planets on fire. 
I'm going to see a po- we'll see a poster within a year. There'll be a poster before the election. The plan's on fire! Jesus. Let's go to LGB2. LGBT EIEIO2. Um, this was all over Twitter, and I, I it, it just, this is everything that sums up this transvestite bullshit. It's a picture of a little girl. A little girl. Totally looks like a little girl. Fight bigotry. 98% of straight men are unwilling to date trans women because of hatred. This has to change. My wife said the following phrase. No, they don't date trans women because they don't want dicks. It came out of her mouth. She rarely says shit like that. But she's spot on. It, it's about the penis. If you want a penis, you're gay, and you date a mailman with a penis. Maybe the internet's all about tranny searches for porn. I, I'm not that guy, and I don't know anybody who is that guy, but it has nothing to do with hatred. It has to do with people want to have sex with what they want to have sex with. It could be a goat. As this one story says, people are objectifying cows. Maybe people are humping on some cows. That's their deal. Do your cow. People do have sex with trannies because they want to have sex with trannies because they're a freak. That's fine. Get your freak on. Get, 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 get your freak on. But most people either want a vagina or they want a penis. They don't want a penis with boobies. They don't want to have a guy that does wears dresses. They don't want that. The heart doesn't subscribe to your PC bullshit. I'm sorry. Moving on. Pronouns die in the darkness. Washington Post promotes pregnant, not a woman. On the front of Sunday's Washington Post, transgender movement orthodoxy overcame common sense. Pronouns again. The story was headlined, non-binary pregnant and taking on motherhood. They are not a woman, but they are about to assume the most gendered role of all. A mother, but not a woman. Hmm. So which gender does the uterus represent? It was an enormous story with nine photographs taking up two entire inside pages. No advertisement. A mandate to call one person they was also in caption. On the front page, it was Brayden Schitzinger takes a break from holding their newborn son at home in Herndon, Virginia. At the top of the online article, the caption was, The first few months of motherhood were harder than Brayden imagined they would be. Braylon barely slept for more than three hours a night, fearing they would miss the important moment or not be there for Owen when he cried. Later in the story, a captured red Braylon shows a tattoo that marks the spot of their first testosterone injection, which they began at age 24. Post, gender, and family issues correspondent Samantha Schmidt explained for nine exhausting months, Braylon lived in a body that felt more feminine, which is swelling belly and breast, than Braylon had ever felt inside, and yet this transformation was a means to that what the 26-year-old had always wanted to become, a mom. Schmitz identified with confusing pronouns as liberating, then explains that, yes, some found them confusing. A lexicon of pronouns such as they and them has also emerged to express the idea that gender is fluid, moving along a continuum from male to female. The Washington Post has formally recognized new pronouns since 2015 to 
people like Brayden, the terms provide a liberating alternative, but to many Americans, the pronouns are ungrammatical and confusing. They find moral suititude in a binary world made up of men and women playing roles that conform to the genders of their birth certificates. Schmidt felt the pain as a dead name had to be used when the water broke. Hi, it's Brittany Scherzinger, Brayden said, using the legal name, the dead name, the despised name. Can you um let Dr. Gonzalez know I'm on the way to Fairfax? My water just broke. It's hard not to emphasize with someone struggling with gender dysphoria, especially during a pregnancy. This passage, for example, the appointment was uncomfortable in other ways. Each time a doctor performed a pelvic exam, a nurse placed her hands on Brayden's belly. Brayden felt intense dysphoria, the distress of being in a body that doesn't match one's gender identity. Sometimes this pregnant feminine body felt so wrong, so disconnected from who Brayden was, that they wanted to rip their skin off. Dicks don't have babies. End point. Exclamation point. What do you want to do? I mean, it's a woman. I can call myself a rock star all day. All I do is play air guitar. I'm sorry. It's a mental fucking illness. I don't care what you say. It's a mental illness. And to be quite honest, they shouldn't be having children. If you don't know who the fuck you are, how do you raise a child? Seriously. Then the New York Times, because remember, we have objective journalism in America, celebrates genderless fashion. The New York Times used a sizable portion of its style section to sell non-binary LGBTQ EIEIO fashion to the American consumer. Yeah, why not? It's all the rage of the kids and you finger-wagging, clueless parents. Best get used to it. A piece titled Non-Binary Teenagers Are Finding a New Fit. <clears throat> the Times sang the praises of new fashion trend aimed at encapsulating these confusing times and lightweight floral pattern cuts. The author spoke to Anna Kilnock, an LGBTQ intern at the Brooklyn Museum Gender and Sexuality Program for Teenagers, because why not? Krishna wrote about her bold choices in wearing mid-calf black leather platform boots with small silver spikes, buckle straps, and a 5-inch heel. In addition, Kilnock sported fishnet stockings, a mini gray less dress, and a long black wool cardigan. Strange, though, this pretty much sounds like the average goth girl repertoire. Well, according to the Times, what makes this special is that the girl, you've been assuming, identifies as a queer non-binary and uses neutral pronouns. Ah, yes. Tacky trends that have usually characterized weird subcultures have been anointed with a progressive purpose, and they're spot on. They wrote later, some progressive synagogues and Jewish communities are holding non-binary bar mitzvahs. Non-binary kiddos are sort of leading the way. The other day I did some search for something. It came up with those kid dicks we covered last year. Little kid dicks for your girl so she can feel like she has a dick. That's child abuse. I don't care what the fuck you say. MDB, IMDB succumbs to unreal bullying for trans activists. Hollywood movie database IMDB has become the latest casualty in the trans war on reality, having been bullied by the LGBT community into refraining from posting trans birth people's birth names on their site without consent. Apparently, publishing trans movie industry workers' original name is just another arrow in the quiver of the patriarch oppression. Leave it to Hollywood to keep incentivizing these insane activists. 
reported by Deadline, IMDb attempted to revise its backward policy on publishing Hollywood trans workers' bio-info after being Tinseltown's gay police, GLAAD, and Hollywood Union SAG-AFTRA insisted the site not do that. The site has been caught publishing the birth names of trans actors, producers, cinematographers, etc., and that you can't do because it's dead naming. Which culminates into this perfect fucking brainwashing sweet Jesus what's wrong with us thread and I know we're really long today but so much good shit this person is some lib blue check Joanne Schroeder and I just gotta read this because this shows all of it to me and hopefully to you is nothing but politics brainwashing and pushing everybody to be them. Do you have a white teenage son? Listen up. I've been watching my boys' online behavior and notice that social media and vloggers are actively laying groundwork in white teens to turn them into alt-right white supremacists. IMDB can't even publish people's real names. So what is this alt-right shit you speak of? Hmm. Here's how. A system I believe is purposely created to disillusion white boys away from progressive liberal perspectives. First, the boys are inundated by memes featuring subtly racist, sexist, homophobic, anti-Semitic jokes. Being kids, they don't see the nuances. Or, you know, Omar and Tlaib do outright anti-Semitic shit. You support it, so I don't understand that. Um, being kids, they don't see the nuances and repeat share. Then they called out for these jokes, phrase means by parents, teachers, kids, mostly girls at school and online. The boys then feel shame and embarrassment and shame in the force that I believe leads people to their worst decision. The second step is the boys consuming media with the people are too sensitive and you can't say anything anymore in themes. For these boys, this will ring true. They're getting in trouble for nothing. Their narrative allows boys to shed the shame, replace it with anger. And who is their anger with? Women! feminists, liberal, people of color, gay, folks, etc. So-called snowflakes. And nobody is there to dismantle the snowflake fallacy. These boys are being set up to place like baseballs on a tee and hit right out the park and nobody seems to notice what's happening. Except it seems moms of teenage girls who see the bizarre harassment their daughters endure. And of course, moms like me who stalk our son's social media. And these are often boys from progressive and moderate families. <clears throat> but their online behavior and viewing habits are often ignored. Here's an early red flag. If your kid says triggered as a joke referring to people being sensitive, he's already being exposed and on his way, intervene. Look through his Instagram. Explore screens with him. Explain what's underlying these means. Explain why triggered isn't a joke. Even though it's been proved not to actually work by progressive schools. But go ahead. What a PTSD trigger is actually like. Evoke empathy without shaming him. Remind him, you know he's a good person, but explain how propaganda works. Propaganda makes extreme points of view seem normal by small amounts of exposure over time. Unlike severe propaganda in our kindergartens to college all the time. Okay, lady. All for the purpose of converting people to more extremist point of views. Use my baseball analogy. If you want to tell your son that he doesn't have to be anybody's fool, teenagers have an innate drive towards independence. And once the system is exposed, they're likely to start questioning the memes and vloggers' intentions. Tell them you are always there, not judging, to look at content and try to spot the lie. No judgment. Which means, I'm going to brainwash you. Then don't judge. You can always watch political comedy shows with them. Trevor Noah. 
John Oliver, Hans and Mija. Talk about what makes their jokes funny. Who are the butt of the jokes? Do they punch up or down? Our boys want funny guys to relate. Give them John Mullaney, Hannibal Buress, Hanjan Mija, Neil Brennan, Dave Chappelle. Then talk to your sons about that funny shit. Break it down. Also give them women's comics, obviously. But that's beside the point here. Show them that progressive comedy isn't about being politically correct or safe. It's often about exposing oppressive systems, which is the furthering thing from safe or delicate as you can get. Disprove this snowflake garbage once and for all. Ask your son, who is more of a delicate snowflake? The person who gets offended by racism, sexism, and actively wants to help end bigotry? Or the person who is offended by people saying happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas? Above all, we need to stay engaged and challenge our kids without shaming them. I'm lucky. My kids are smart and have a smart, critical, progressive dad who isn't afraid to call bullshit when he sees it. But I've been so many, seen so many white boys falling prey to this system. So beware. Yeah. Brainwash your kids. <clears throat> the problem with that is they don't see that they're the ones brainwashing kids. If you go online, we just laid it out. Google, YouTube, MSN, fucking Apple. Uh, it doesn't matter. Twitter, Facebook. You are forced. My feed is never, ever progress. Not, not progressive. Twitter moments are nothing but SJW bullshit. Your kids are exposed constantly. They go to grade school, preschool, kindergarten. It doesn't fucking matter where you go. They're getting taught non-binary. They're getting taught that Christianity's evil. They're getting taught that Muslims are just misunderstood. They're getting taught that police are bad. They're getting taught white people are bad. They're getting taught that they're bad because they're white. But you need to watch out for them to listen to Ben Shapiro because it's a gateway drug. To what? What? You don't promote anything that's not progressive on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. You don't promote podcasts that aren't liberal. You don't promote anything. These kids search it out because they're getting sick of being told everything they feel is wrong. It doesn't turn them to mass killers. They don't join the KKK. They just don't think like you, which most kids don't think like their parents during their teenage years. You indoctrinate our children every day, progressives. Conservatives don't. There's no kids shows on fucking Fox. Name a network that doesn't have a transgender fucking cartoon right now. I could write the same thread. If I was raising a kid right now, I'd really watch what they're watching. I would check their feeds. Because they're going to get taught all sorts of fucking progressive bullshit. Which is not only going to make them hate themselves, but fucking hate America. To Yaniv. Lindsay Shepard. I just called the manager in New York Fries to see if this was true. It's not. The manager witnessed this interaction. All that happened was that Yanov approached a female Indian cashier, ordered, and then left left quickly. Yanov's mom came and yelled, and then Yanov already filled a, filed a complaint with New York Fries head office. Manager said the staff doesn't even really know the word transgender, so they wouldn't have said that. And that working in downtown Vancouver, they are accustomed to serving transgender and disabled. 
same person who sexually abused kids who is now pissed because her junk can't get waxed. My period started, so yeah, couldn't go in the pool, but it was so much fun. Forgot my tampons in my other bag. I'm going to play it after we finish the next thing. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzel signed a new bill into law on Friday that ensures that contributions to LGBTQ people are taught in public schools. Yeah, we need to we need to watch our kids. We need to make sure they're not listening to fucking people saying triggered. In public schools only, the teaching of history shall include a study of the roles and contribution of the LGBTQ community. In the history of the country of the state, the bill states, Equality Illinois, the state's largest LGBTQ mafia, supported the bill and said the curriculum could have a positive effect on students' self-image and make their peers more accepting. The organization said some topics that will be added to the new curriculum include Nation's First Gay Rights Organization, the Society for Human Rights, being formed in 1924 in Chicago, Sally Ride, the first U.S. woman in space, who was gay. Yeah. Here's Yana, just to prove my point. You're refusing access to a server. Like, I was at the Pacific Center Mall, and I went to New York Fries, and this is going to be on my next human rights complaint, but I asked for some, some fries, and they literally said, not for you, sir, you're, uh, you're transgender. To put it like that. And Sorry, like, who said that? New York Fries. Does anybody believe that guy? Guy. I said Guy. I didn't misgender. He's a guy. He's more of a guy than I am. He looks more masculine than I do. And what does that say about a person? Or this whole transgender thing? Once again, don't care. Be a goat. I could give two fucking shits. I could care what the fuck you do in your own life. I don't care. I'm not transphobic. I don't fucking know anybody that's trans transgender. I'll never know anybody who's transgender because I don't walk around going, hey, are you a dude or a girl? And, and I don't move in those crowds, so I, I'll never know. But my question is, if it's not a mental illness, what makes you go online and say, and we know for sure this guy's got a dick and balls, and he wanted to get a Brazilian wax on his junk and was refused because they don't do it. They don't know how to do it. No guy walks in and goes, hey, take, I want you to Brazilian wax my taint. Nobody does that. It's not a guy thing. But he creates a tweet to say, I forgot my tampon, so I couldn't go in the pool. If he was shoving a tampon up his dick, that would really, really hurt, okay? So if he's doing that, he's a masochist. But my point is, that's how deluded his mental illness is. Once again, this is a mental illness. It's gender dysphoria. They have mental problems. They don't know who they are. I feel really bad for them. I understand the non-binary. I don't want to be a boy. I don't want to be a girl. But when you're writing that I'm having a period, I'm having a baby through my dick, does anybody see how that's just not normal? That's not a normal thing somebody does. Now, the media gladly has dropped this guy like a bad fucking pair of shoes, but sweet Lord, I am supposed to believe I am evil because I don't buy that mental illness. That's where how far we've come on the progressive crazy. I am a piece of shit. 
a bigot. Because I think that guy's got serious problems. Running around saying he's being refused french fries because he's a transgender. Yeah, okay. Pro-abortion HuffPost horrified when lioness kills own babies. Cheers when humans do. I just wanted to read that. that. That's an actual article they did. Britain, knife crime warnings on fried chicken boxes. Because of their immigration policy. Let that just sit for a bit. Now they're putting it on chicken boxes. And they want to ban knives. Okay. Then we have this one that was crazy, and I'm way over on time, so I'm not going to read the whole thing, because we're getting our crazy section of our new social media. I got to get away from the stupid. This was in the sun. Two bendy willies in a brief moment of passion. My night with a male exclusive, a male sex doll. She breaks it all down, wrote it cowboy, didn't orga- orgasm, but said he could vibrate, and this was in the paper. Okay. It's a miracle. Woman survives fall from plane after parachute fails. Fell more than 1,500 meters. Dennis Demers is still processing when he witnessed on Saturday evening in Travos River, Quebec, is what I think it is. When a skydiver parachute failed to open properly, she plummeted a kilometer and a half to the ground. It's a miracle. I don't know how the person could survive a fall from an airplane like that. He said the solo skydiver was falling faster than anybody else, and neither the woman main parachute nor backup opened. The 30-year-old who hit tree while landing in a wooded area is recovering in hospital with several fractures, including a broken vertebrae, but police say her life is not in danger. What a lucky mug. Woman thinks she has kidney stones. Gives birth to triplets. What the fuck, over? What the fuck? Which leads us to our lighter fare. It's a soundbite. Enjoy. Baby, guess what day it is? What day is it? Laundry day. Hey, sweetheart, you want to learn how to box? Yeah, can you show me? (laughs) Nailed it. Dude, I don't even care if she has a new boyfriend. The dude looks like a douchebag anyways. I'm going to get a new chick tonight. Oh, what up, bro? Uh, no, I'm not gonna rage tonight, dude. I'm getting fucked up off the JMO at the house right now. About to throw the expendables on and get fucked up. Do you know how to play guitar? Yeah, I'm pretty fucking awesome. <sighs> oh, yes. Justin's gonna love this one. Kind of quick, baby, but I got you in 10 minutes. Trust me. Promise, baby. Wake up! 
You fuck my mom, you little fucking shit. How old are you, 14 years old? Oh, I will fucking kill you. You know what, you little shit? I will take a poop in your mother's toilet on the top. That way, every time she flushes the toilet, poop flushes down to her vagina and splashes her, you little fucking shit. Hey, baby, uh, what are you wearing to... <clears throat> what are you wearing tomorrow for the dinner party? Hey, baby. Yeah. Make sure you do the laundry before you leave, please. All right. Okay. Fox News loves me. If you want to be a manly man, you gotta work out like the best special operation forces ever, the Navy SEALs. Let me just show you a little bit. Yeah, we killed Bin Laden. This is SEAL Team 6 and I'm in the assault track. for massive muscle gains. Hmm. Hey guys, thanks for watching the video. Thanks for watching Matt being a douche. Dick. Lock it up. <laughs> Do them down here, like say now. What are you doing with your hands? <laughs> I forgot what it was. That's why I prepped. That was Matt Best 11X. An old, old one that uh, I wanted to replay. Two other quick stories, and then we'll move into our This is America. We're going to be close to four hours, but you know what? What the hell? i got to crank one of these long ones out every, long, every once in a while. I know it's burdensome, but I'll give you a couple days of listening if you're bored. Woman pulls gator from pants during stop. I did not stutter. That's what you did. Florida uh, woman who pulled a small alligator from her yoga pants during a traffic stop and illegally possessed numerous other wild animals has been sentenced to probation after pleading guilty to four charges. Florida prosecutor said Charlotte County Sheriff's deputy stopped a pickup truck in May to ran a stop sign. The driver, 22-year-old Michael Clemens, told the deputy he and his 25-year-old passenger, Ariel Michael Lequera, we're collecting frogs and snakes under an overpass. He gave the deputy permission to search bags in the truck. When the deputy found 41 three-striped turtles and a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle backpack, he also asked a McCann Legrand at anything else. She pulled a one-foot gator from her pants. I got so many inappropriate snapping freaking... <laughs> It'd be about her vagina. You get it? Okay, good. And to show that we have not pumpkin spice enough, this is literally something that came up on the local NBC channel in Nashville. Um, spam. Pumpkin spice spam. Are you serious? Are you fucking serious? That's just a bridge too far. 
to our This is America. I saved the media coverage of Portland for this. But then I had another soundbite that I just had to put it in together. And it's Dana Bash with CNN. Just dumbfounded that Israel would block anti-Semite Omar and anti-Semite Tlaib from coming to the country. And it just surmises our media in a nutshell. Once again, a lot of people think I'm a Rush Limbaugh. I'm not. I'm not a conservative fucking moonbat. My biggest disdain is for our media. That's why I started this show. How unobjective they are. How they only side for one party. And it doesn't matter what they come up. From tranny shit to whatever. It's it's a done deal. They're, they're on board for that shit. And the riots with Antifa and disparaging Trump because he wants to call him a terrorist, and then not airing anything that I aired, which is just a snippet of it, and the utter anti-Semitism and the BDS of these two sen- these two representatives, it, it just astounds me. So it gets our last soundbite, which is the worst soundbite of every show. This is America. Don't get you slipping now. Catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing liberal agenda stories. And this is America in 2019. I got the strap. Uh, Real quick, I just want to read you the tweet from President Trump this morning uh, regarding what's happening in Portland. And, you know, this is where we see people who are so-called white supremacists, some of these groups that are the very least, you know, far right extremists clashing um, with other groups, including Antifa, which is, you know, seen as a far, a far left organization. And he writes, major consideration is being given to naming Antifa an organization of terror. Portland is being watched very closely. Hopefully the mayor will be able to properly do his job. And I do want to note the U.S. doesn't have a domestic terrorism law and no government agency designates domestic groups as being terrorist organizations. What's your reaction to that tweet? So, um, you know, this is on par with what the president does. He sides with the white supremacists. He sides with the white nationalists. Uh, with the domestic terrorists in our country, um, just as, you know, he's incited violence against people of color. Um, Portland is a progressive city. They don't, they want to ensure that they keep their city moving forward. Uh, it's not surprising that Trump would side away from the folks who are the peaceful protesters working to safeguard their city from from domestic terrorism. Uh, just not surprised at all that the president sides with the white nationalists. That's been his um, mode of operation uh, since before he was elected president. Congressman Deb Holland, got to leave it there. Thank you very much for being here. Meanwhile, violent street confrontations in Portland, Oregon. 13 people arrested, six injured, when more than a thousand right-wing demonstrators and counter-protesters descended upon the downtown area. Police say they were pelted with water bottles while making an arrest there. Officers also confiscated a number of weapons, including knives, shields, and stun guns. Saturday, right-wing extremists went head-to-head with left-wing anti-fascists 
in what has become a predictably ugly street duel. The conflict started when hundreds of right-wing protesters assembled for a rally on the city's waterfront. A show of force from some 700 police officers trying to keep the peace. This counter-protester says there's no place for it in Portland. It is not free speech, it is hate speech. And we as the people of this city are not going to take it. Most of the protesting has been peaceful, but we do see these flare-ups in the crowd right now. You can see a crowd of counter-protesters in the middle is what appears to be a right-wing protester, and they are doing all they can to push him out. The president starting the day by labeling Antifa an organization of terror. We push them for a response to the protest. We would love to hear your side. There's no two sides. There's Nazi and not Nazi. And with one right-wing group threatening monthly protest, the mayor of Portland responding. I want to be very clear. We do not want him here in my city, period. You told me on the show two weeks ago that you believe President Trump is a white nationalist. Um, Given that, do you think that It's a racist act to cast a vote for President Trump in 2020? Well, at best, it means looking the other way on racism. But I think uh, a lot of people are wondering what kind of deal even that is supposed to be. You know, you you look at what he said in that rally. You've got no choice but to vote for me. And if you look at the numbers, basically what he's saying is, uh, all right, I want you to uh, look the other way on the racism, tolerate the negativity, uh, uh, accept the instability of my administration, uh, because I am going to deliver for you job growth almost as good as the Obama years. That's what his argument amounts to right now, and it's part of the reason why he's unpopular. The the whole notion of the uh, BDS movement and these two congresswomen being outcast, uh, it, it was completely helped, uh, or maybe even hurt, I should say, by the fact that these two great democracies didn't feel comfortable enough in the democratic institutions and the notions of democracy to have a real discussion with these two members of Congress. And it's still stunning to me. I mean, I can't wrap my mind around it. It's total intellectual honesty. And I understand you hate Trump. I understand you hate conservative values. I understand the bubble. I understand that every one of these people live inside places that are totally progressive, so they only see the world at one one point. But I served 20 years in the military. I didn't have an opinion because that was my job. That's what a journalist is supposed to be. And most importantly, as we talk about all the time on the show, they are one line of defense between us and our government. They're supposed to be just totally objectively reporting things. But every time a Democrat becomes president, they fucking shut up their notebooks, close their computers, and ignore things. And where would we be as a country right now? Literally think about the immigrants that you guys gnash teeth about so much on the progressive side. Had they reported what the Obama administration was doing to these immigrants long before Trump was even a thought, would they still be in cages? Would they still be separated? What policies could we have done? Because then the Republicans would have been forced to come up with solutions and work with the Democrats because all parties would have been upset about it. But instead, they ignored it. They reported nothing. They reported nothing about their fucking immigration policies where they're putting whole fucking stock and barrel Rajneesh Purim Minnesota districts that were completely anti-American so they could get people of color elected. Get more progressives, regardless of what it did to our country. Regardless that it became the number one recruiting part uh, place in America for ISIS, 
We reported none of that. Now we have nothing but division. I don't put division on the footsteps of the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. They're bound to be divisive because their poor purpose is to get fucking elected. So they got to demonize the other side. I put it at the, the foot of our media who profit off making America so dysfunctional right now that we have people in the streets beating fucking people up and calling them fascists while they themselves are the fascists. So excessively long podcast, excuse it, but sometimes it's just got to be that way. This wraps up another episode of Flower Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends, send comments or emails to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. If you're still listening in Denmark, send me an email, man. I'll put you on the air. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and PocketCast. Check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and our Twitter page at FOP Tony Reed. Our next podcast is going to be Friday, Friday, Friday. What is Friday? Friday is the 23rd of August, year of our Lord, 2019. I promise it will not be four hours long. <laughs> this one was a little long. Stay cool if you're in the hot zones. I know I am this week. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. Give your family their your unident- unfiltered, freaking interrupted attention. It's a short ride. need to enjoy every moment. And tune in Friday for the next one. As always, thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.